The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Yes, hello. Hi. Hello. Um I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter, you can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter, you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And the sound effects you have heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70. On Twitter and Instagram, what's up, everybody? Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. I was making up my mind just now. (laughs) (laughs) Understood, understood. Uh, this is uh, the Comic Book Chronicles, as you may or may not have heard. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And you can also find us uh, recording every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, the YouTube channel of the, U- uh, excuse me, of the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. You know, uh, smash that like button, do all the things. Um, oh, yeah. Hit the like, subscribe, you know, all the notification stuff so that you know when we are on. Yee, all of that, all of that. Uh, well, folks, tonight we are going to start off with a recap. I was about to say, do you want to celebrate something up front? Oh, well, yes. So it is the 450th episode of this here comic book chronicles. So, um, yep, and we'll throw in a funk, a funk flex bomb. Uh, you know, just for that, let me find the, the, the right, uh, yeah. there it is our 450th episode, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, uh, just want to thank our, uh, our, our founders, uh, especially our, 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 our predecessors, the Colts Leather Podcast Network, uh, namely, uh, Eclectic, uh, the former, uh, classic materia now OJ purple stuff <laughs> and uh, at Tim Dog ninety eight and uh, you know obviously we want to thank our co-hosts in absentia that would be uh, at Tim Dog ninety eight and at PCN underscore Dirt you know we wouldn't be here without them right now at episode four fifty so uh, thank you the listeners and thank you the viewers for supporting us uh, and helping us get this far 
And hopefully we'll be with you for many more episodes to come. Indeed. Uh, oh, and... Uh, Every time I hear that, I think about Danger Mouse and not Funk Flex. So I, I don't know whether that's where my mind is, but, you know, it is what it is. But yes, absolutely. It has been a wild ride uh, on this here show, um, to say the least. And uh, at least as far as I've been on the show, anyway. Um, but, um, you know, thankful for it and appreciate every, all, all the guys and, and, and everybody. And, and as uh, Agent 70 said, the uh, our, the predecessor show, uh, of the coastal of the podcast and the coastal of the podcast network period. Also, right. Um, uh, from that show and, and, and um, our, our other host in absentia. So, but we're going to keep this, uh, keep this here going. We could, I wish we could have, we could have done something special, but you know, it was, it's things are things folks. We still, <laughs> we still in some times here. Yes, you know, and and people are doing things, so you know, kind of hard to put things together as it is. So, but that being said, so let us get on with the shoe uh, by uh, going starting off with the recap of uh, episode three of uh, Star Wars: The Book of Boba Fett. Right. So you know, this week on the Book of Boba Fett, we've seen we we saw a couple of things unfold. Uh, you know, first off. We lead off with kind of a recap of what happened on Mos Espa, or you know specifically within the um, the crime uh, uh, the crime uh, jurisdiction, as it were, of Jabba the Hutt in the wake of his demise on you know, and obviously spoiler alert for the Return of the Jedi if you haven't watched that, but obviously we're gonna. Ring the spoiler bell here for uh, Book of Boba Fett episode three uh, in three, two, one. Epi- uh, spoilers incoming, but uh, uh, you know, catch up on this uh, when you can and uh, tune in and listen to what we have to say. All right, so make sure to fast forward just a bit if you're not interested in listening to any spoilers on episode three of the Book of Boba Fett. So getting back to what I was just talking about, um, a palace droid called 88 uh, is giving Boba and Fennec Shand the the breakdown of how things shook out in the wake of uh, Jabba biting the the, the bullet at the... uh, at that point in Return of the Jedi, and uh, lots of stuff uh, happened once Bib Fortuna assumed the mantle, and uh, some interesting characters took over bits and pieces of Mos Espa, including a Trandoshan uh, group, an Aqualish group. That's the first time I had heard of that, mm-hmm. and a Klatuian, Klatuian, Klatuinian group, mm-hmm. crime right. syndicates. So basically, they broke divided up most Espa. Right, they broke broke uh, broke up Mos Espa into three parts, and those were the three parts and sections with those peoples. Right, and ultimately, those those sections are all paying tribute to the mayor Mock Shays, and now with uh, Boba Fett kind of stepping in and trying to uh, retake Jabba's old uh, uh, crime, you know, crime family jurisdiction. you know, there's been a bit of an upheaval. And so at this point, we get uh, 
someone coming to Boba Fett asking for help. And right? without a red stapler. What's that? And without his red stapler. Oh, is that where that guy's from? I knew he looked familiar. Mm-hmm. Well, also news radio, but yes. That's funny. You know, TPS <laughs> reports and all that. Exactly. So uh, we get <laughs> we get uh, 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 this uh, apparently a water broker, you know, because obviously water is one of the most prime commodities on Tatooine, the desert, the now desert planet has been as has been emphasized during the course of these episodes that uh, he needs some help because some uh, some punks who are cybernetically enhanced have been stealing water from him. And he's asking for help from Boba Fett. Uh, and uh, at that point, Boba Fennec and their Gamorrean guards head over to the workers district to uh, to face off against these uh, band of youths, as um, my cousin Vinny would say. Yes. And at that point, uh, uh, I, I love the, uh, the the characterization here in the recap that we're reading. A plucky lass <laughs> named Drash, uh, played by I'm not I'm not familiar with this actress Sophie Thatcher. Yeah, I'm not know. familiar with the Yellow Jackets. I know that it's a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these youths, uh, led by Drash, uh, you know, recognize who Boba Fett is, but aren't necessarily intimidated by him and essentially bring their case to him that the, uh, water dealer is, uh, overcharging for the water, uh, basically asking for, uh, a month's worth of wages for just a week's worth of water. And at that point, Boba Fett uh confronts the uh the the water dealer and basically uh gives him a fraction of the money he's asking for orders the broker to uh, the water dealer to slash his prices and then basically asks the youths to come and work for him and at that point Roddy Cat can take uh take this next part yeah so and it's, i guess it's worth noting these youths are um in high cybernetically enhanced in one way or shape or form because like other people we have seen in star wars universe have taken to um uh cybernetic implants you know some might know violence from from uh, from the bounty hunter series you know i guess darth vader counts in that number also so does luke so does luke yeah pretty much yeah you're right um, and so they hop on there, they, they grab their GAC and, and their multicolored bikes, which, um, excuse me, their multicolored Vespas. <laughs> Space Listen, Vespas. Listen, they are unfortunately very bright colored Vespas. Right. And I think that's probably like a, it's kind of a 60s kind of a, a mod, you know, Vespa game kind of uh, callback or something like that, I, I think. I know I've watched a couple of uh, Easter egg videos so talking about that thing also, but I, but I already knew, I saw that. When those things showed up, I was like, why are they riding space vespers? Like, what's going on here with that? But anyhow, um, they get back to uh, Jabba's palace. Oh, excuse me, Boba's palace. That's that's still kind of hard to kind of kind of keep saying. Right. They even make a point of that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, and going back to that. Yeah. So it is worth noting on, on that real quick that um, uh, Bib Fortuna wasn't one, was definitely not Jabba. And they kind of make a point to say that, yeah, he kind of... Uh, chose to be a figurehead and kind of, kind of played the played the scene 
as it were, with the uh, with uh, the the three people with the splitting up of the areas and you know. Yeah, it, it was much more of a, he was much more of a deal maker than right. like an actual boss. Right. You know, he was just uh, he he was just trying to uh, make sure that he kept some piece of the action. Exactly. That's how I read it. Yeah, pretty much. Like he he was pretty much you know. People people looked at him as far as like the the as a figurehead as as so to speak, but not really any kind of real power, you know. So right. that, that's pretty much how it. But anyway, like back to the palace. Uh, Boba hits the back to tank again as he's as he's want to do, and um, uh, he cuts back to the his time with the uh with the Tuscans, which I feel like this part was kind of retribution for last week's flashback, but still was unnecessary as, as Agent Seventy uh, and I talked about. We'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, he wrote, goes into my eyes, ladies, go sees the Pikes Syndicate, who uh, and the Pikes Syndicate's boss is voiced by Phil Lamar. If you don't know who that is, I don't know where you've been for all of your life. You pretty much voiced your your childhood at this point, or most of y'all's childhood at this point. Um, um. And I was actually kind of curious about this. Is like, why is he riding a, a a Bantha instead of those one of those bikes he had? Like, he could have got there way faster had he had he had he made the trip on one of those. But when we're not, you know, whatever, splitting here too. Um, apparently, there was a, a Mandalorian reference uh, with um, Amy Sedaris's character uh, in there somewhere as he was riding through in her in her droids. Uh, but also um, some stormtroopers uh, heads on a pike, which we've seen before in a Mandalorian. Um, uh, but Boba goes up to the pike, asks for protection money. The 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 pike boss is like, uh, "We already gave to the to the 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 gang you busted up last week, uh, so you're gonna have to uh, settle that with them because uh, we're not paying two people for this." And Boba was like, "All right, I'll take care of it." Uh, this is when he heads back to uh, the Tuscan uh, to, to, to Tuscan um, settlement to find that they have all been slaughtered uh, by the said biker gang, who apparently must have came and uh, came when he was gone and took their bikes back. Also, right. Um, <laughs> so Boba, being the only one of that uh, of that, I guess tribe uh, left, buries them all and. I guess he. I don't know if he burnt that uh that uh that gaffy stick part uh, that he still had, but he just seemed like he did something with it. I, I assume that's what he uh what he did. But he kept. It seems to me like he burned all of their gaffy sticks, including yes. the little kid's gaffy stick, like right. the practice gaffy stick that the little kid had. Right. But he kept theirs, obviously. But you know, but right. yeah, he burnt everybody else's sticks along with with them, and then rode back uh to uh um. Well, no, actually, that was it. Excuse me. So then, cut back to the present, where he gets yeeted out of the back to tank. Roddy Cat, uh, definitely doing his best to keep up with the times. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> Go ahead. By um, so yeah, he gets yanked out of the back to tank by none other than Black Crescenton, uh, who starts a. I don't know. Some people said this fight was was kind of eh. I don't know. It it. it Basically, Crackentown was kind of having his way with Boba um, for the most part. You know, uh, Boba was getting some some shots in here and there, but you know, you know, you're going up against a Wookiee, and he was, you know, all he had, well, all he could get to at one point was his Gaffy stick. So, you know, he, even though he was right there by his thing, I'm surprised he didn't try to um, try to at least 
you know, knock a knock a, a rocket at him or something. Like that. But you know, the character has. To I think stay he around. tried to put it on. Right. What it is is that he he, he grabbed one of his gauntlets and then tried to activate it, and then uh, Chrysanthemum was on top of him. Right. He punched him with his uh with his uh brass knucks. Yeah, his electro. Right. Knucks. So. You know, ultimately, you know, I thought, at least in my opinion, I thought the fight was okay because it's a Wookiee. Right. And it's Boba Fett without all of his gadgets and doodads. Right. And still kind of sort of presumably hurt at this point because obviously he was in the back to tank. So, you know, he was still kind of recovering from whatever. But so, right. um, so yeah, so the fight was going on and these, uh, and there's, uh, the, the young Vespa gang that he, uh, the Utes. Yes. The, the, the Utes. <laughs> <laughs> the, I can't say the two youths because it was like five of them, but right. um, uh, the the youths come in and try to help out, and they kind of take shots at um, take shots at Black Black Lantern all in a circle, um, you know, and getting some shots in. But uh, you know, again, you need more than that, the than these folks to to go up against a Wookiee. <laughs> right. Lesser Wookies would have would have would have still given these folks probably a a, a, a time. So, but. The 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 uh the fight goes down into the throne room where they end up um uh trapping uh Black Crescenton down in the empty uh Rancor pit. Right. Um so that uh from from that um uh I guess they end up celebrating because they they cut to the next well they basically well the the Gamorian guys uh, guards got in, involved them one got hurt because Black Crescent kind of bit one of them you know uh but and uh Boba was like take him to my to my back to tank you know uh so I can get him get him get him uh, uh square then they cut to the next day where uh Boba and Finnick were having a a big spread of a lunch, I guess, in celebration. Like that seems uncalled for. Like you almost got your behind handed to you. <laughs> is, is that a good reason to be celebrating? But they did had a nice spread and some stuff on it. I'm trying to remember. Was this where the big frog thing hit com- comes in? Because at some point that uh, that frog thing from the beginning of uh, uh, Return of the Jedi uh, eats a bird that that eat, ate another thing, and it was a kind of a callback to uh, Return of the Jedi. But never mind. I think so. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was kind of like a tracking shot right at the beginning right. of the scene as they're mm-hmm. basically coming in from outside into the palace. Right. So I was like, that was a nice little callback. And of course, they're familiar bird from that thing. Uh, but yeah, so they were having their lunch and then the Hut twins come a calling <laughs> with a gift, no less. Um, they basically came and said, hey, we're sorry for bringing, bring, uh, uh, for, for sending Black Crescenton up against you. I guess they must have heard he, you know, uh, somehow that oh, yeah. Was... Once he, yeah once he didn't report back right that was probably their first clue but yeah more than likely there's some they, they had reason to know that chrysanthemum uh, failed at his task right so so they basically say hey hey we my apologies we're out, um you know we sorry for the number up against you uh we're leaving tatooine uh we advised you to leave too <laughs> because the the mayor had already promised the um i think this is when we found out that the mayor had promised um uh tattooing to the pikes right the pikes syndicate uh and like i said you know they they bring uh they they tell us the boba and um uh they basically say hey well excuse me uh they bring out uh, black chrysanthemum to give back to the the huts and they was like i don't know sell them back to the uh to the gladiator pit which is a reference to the, to the comics uh right. i believe the dark Vader comic books um and they also give him a gift of a rancor, a baby rancor, I guess, or a I don't know if it's a baby rancor, but a, but a 
Well, they call it a rancor calf, right? You know, like a like a you know you know like a a piece of livestock. So, right, or at least a you know a calf. You know, like a you know like think of different uh, animals that have calves. Yeah. So, um, the key in this particular sequence is who the keeper of the mm-hmm. rancor is. Yep, and none other than Danny MMF and Trejo. Uh, is is the um is the rancor keeper, uh, in in this note, you know, if you don't know what again, if you don't know who who Dana Trio is, you don't know where you've been all your life. <laughs> Look it up exactly, and it kind of makes sense because Robert Rodriguez directed, and I think he's also producing this show. So at some point, we were probably going to get to get a Trejo sighting. <laughs> so makes all the sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was good to see him though. Um, that being said, uh, what we were, I, I remember when I was watching, it's like, wait, are they going to actually give him a, a speaking part at this time? Because we weren't really sure. But anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Um, right. So at this point, actually, we don't uh, find uh, out. We don't find out that the, the the pikes are promised by the mayor, but we do find out that the mayor promised the the, the territory to someone else. We don't get that information of who it is till. A little bit of a girl. But, right. Uh, a quote unquote another syndicate. Exactly. So at this point, uh, Boba Fett actually has brought out uh, Black Chrysanthemum yeah, to uh, the meeting, you know, when he, when he's meeting with the twins, the twin huts. And uh, Boba Fett offers them back chrysanthemum as a you know as a as a sign of peace as a as part of a truce but the huts you know basically turn that down so literally boba fett sets uh black chrysanthemum free and says no hard feelings you know it was all business he understands right and right don't work for scums scum uh skywad whatever they called him but basically scum, yeah, exactly scum anymore. exactly exactly so ultimately you know, uh, 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 the the hints of uh, the Godfather movies uh, still reign, uh, continue in this, uh, uh, continue in this show. You know, it's all a business, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we cut to uh, Danny Trejo's character educating Boba Fett on the Rancor and how the, you know, because this Rancor is so young, um, and is actually wearing blinders. Um, it's actually a, a, a way to influence who uh, the Rancor imprints on, as you know. Uh, you know when when the when the blinders are actually removed, that's something that is you know obviously a, a, a well known uh, phenomenon in the animal world, especially when you have uh, keepers and and whatnot uh, with wild animals. So. Um, Boba actually says he wants to ride, uh, this Rancor at some point. Mm-hmm. And the keeper says that's going to take some time. But, uh, at the end of the day, he does remove the blinders and has the calf imprint on Boba Fett. So it's an right. interesting foreshadow of what may come at the end or towards the end of the series. If we get a Rancor literally, uh, wreaking havoc on uh, the enemies of Boba Fett outside of the Rancor pit. Well, that might not be the case of that, because from, from what I'm understanding, that's coming from two different places. Uh, one, Boba, Boba's first... Um, Boba from the, the holiday special, where he wrote something much bigger. That was where that part comes from. And then apparently the part about riding Rancors 
was from uh, one of the extended universe novels, uh, the courtship of Princess Leia, I believe it was. Okay, but you don't think that's a, a that's a bit of foreshadowing in this? Maybe. I mean, could very well be. Yeah, he could very well. I mean, but what is who's to say that he, he's going to be riding that rancor into battle, or he's going to be riding because like, hey, look at that, I got a rancor. I, I contain my rancor type situation, you know. Well, you know, we still have a few episodes left, so, yeah, so I can just as, I can just see that as you know his way of turning around. And if if we haven't, uh, you know, if there's something that we have to understand uh, to this point, a lot of Star Wars tropes have kind of been turned on their head mm-hmm. over the last several years, and one of them having one of them being a rancor, kind of confined to a pit, maybe one of them. Right, and I feel like that. There, I feel like in that when the des- describing the the rancor and it's like, yeah, it's not like what we thought it was, but you know, then they imprint themselves on humans and this and that and other, and they're actually very emotional, complex. I feel like some kind of way, and I don't know, I don't, I don't, I have never owned a a, a pit bull, but I feel like that's, I feel like that's kind of likened to that in a slight way, not necessarily a full way, obviously, because pit bulls and and you know are not rancors no i get it i get it yeah yeah i mean yeah there i guess what you're saying is that you can draw some parallels so right but uh you know in any event uh you know as we move on in the episode uh boba fett and fennec and their new you their cybernetic backup gang of youths head into moss espa to confront the mayor and uh the major domo hems and haws and uh, says that he's going to, you know, get some uh, uh, agree to get some FaceTime with the mayor, but then uh, locks the door behind him <laughs> and basically tries to make a getaway. And at this point, Roddy Cat can talk about what happens next. Right. So there is a I don't want to say leisurely, but there is a uh, paced chase through the streets of Mas Espa. Um, right. It's just fast enough that you can't do it on foot. Right. Like, That's really what it is, because this yes, because this uh, these street punks on 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 a Vespa's chasing this speeder that looks like the speeder from Solo that almost has speeder chase from the beginning of Solo. It looks like that same speeder, um, kinda. But regardless, but the chase kind of goes for a couple of minutes, and you know there's a there's a big ramp thing that happens, and one of them gets up, goes through a picture of uh, Jabba the Hutt, which is supposed, uh, which I guess is a uh, Ralph McQuarrie thing. Uh, from what some some people are saying, um, but they finally end up um, stopping the major domo by running him into. He basically, it, it's basically a, a kind of a back to the future moment to where if you are, if anybody remembers that to where uh, you know Biff was chasing uh, Marty and then ends up, or Biff and his crew was chasing Marty and runs into a um, sideswipes a. Um, a uh a truck with manure well a similar thing happens here except for it's a uh, manure on fruit and yes that's that same fruit from um from uh, rebels from that one episode of rebels that they end up um um uh needing to go find oh that was the fruit for uh hera right yes okay so which remember they had how how hard of a time they had trying to find that particular fruit during the right. episode, and here's a bunch of it right here. So yeah, so there's that, and then we come to find out the major, major Domo's like, um, yeah, the mayor's gone. He's allied with the Pikes, and that's who he primates the um, the uh, Mas, uh, Mas Espa to. Um, and um, 
And then I think this is oh yeah, this is when we see the um the the transport comes in with a gang of Pike Syndicate uh kind of come in and uh Boba gets kind of word of this through one of the 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 street street uh I want to call them dandies, but they're not they're not dandies, but they're, they're youths. Yes. Just stick with it. At least for yes. this episode. Exactly. So, like I said, a bunch of pikes come off the transport. Uh, Boba gets told about it, and, and, and then it's like uh, Phoenix tells Boba, "We're going. They're going to war." And Boba's like, "Well, we'll be ready for them." And then the episode ends. Yep. So, uh, I thought this was an okay episode. I think we benefit. We definitely benefit from being educated uh, upon some of the. Uh, animated stuff that definitely fills in a lot of these gaps. Mm-hmm. And even with the comic book stuff, I'm not as familiar with it as you are, Roddy Cat. Mm-hmm. I know that, uh, you know, I recognize, you know, Black uh, Chrysanthemum, but I I'm, I just haven't kept up with the comics like that since the, the first initial run, first initial wave of books. Right. So um, I think we're enjoying it more than some others because we have a deeper knowledge of a lot of the stuff that is being touched upon yeah you know i don't know if you've been listening to any of the 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 criticisms of this yes i have show and you know i think a lot of people are finding fault with uh the flashbacks no the delivery that tamura morrison is giving uh uh you know especially helmetless right you know, he's spending a lot of time without the helmet on. He's spending a lot of time not doing very Boba Fetty things. So yeah. I think maybe it's – I think maybe the people have to adjust their expectations because, you know, we've already figured out by this third episode that we're definitely going to be – you know, this is a kind of a, you know – we're definitely we're definitely seeing elements of the Godfather movies. We're definitely seeing elements of, you know, it almost feels like a, a superior foes of Spider-Man thing where we're dealing <laughs> with all the bad guys and we're not seeing any good guys. Right. You know, there's all sort of levels and shades of gray here right. um, going all the way to the pikes. And, you know, the pikes are not, you know, not nice. You know, they're, they're not nice characters, um, at least in the the renditions that i've seen of them the 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 portrayals i've seen of them right they're smugglers of the lowest order right and forgive me uh, have they ever been portrayed in live action up until now were they in solo they were in solo okay but that was the first time we saw them right i believe so yeah i don't think they were in the 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 latest sequels right uh, did they mention them? Did they mention them like at the in, in Force Awakens when um, because they were talking about uh, Kanji, Kanji Club, right? Oh. But they didn't call it. They didn't talk about the uh, the Pikes. If they had said right. the Pikes, I would have been happy. And then they called them Kanji Club. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, Kanji Club. I think that's a different. That might be a different person thing. Place, whatever. Um, but I don't recall them. They may have like shown up. They might have had like one of them show up in a. Like one of the in like like in a like in a lineup basically right or in um um uh Mafa um Masa um, Maza's place like maybe that oh, could have been somebody yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Maskanaza's place but I don't think I don't know if that's the case outside of that right. I can't think of any other places that would they would have shown right. up I mean because at at the end of the day I think the fact that we know that the Pikes are a big deal right. helps 
the threat level. And I think people will learn about the Pikes more in the next episode, seeing what kind of force they can bring to bear. Right. But we already know of their reputation as being, you know, a crime syndicate smugglers of the highest order, especially when it comes to spice. Mm-hmm. And they've definitely been, I know I've seen in, in one Easter egg video that I watched that there may possibly be a link to Crimson, Crimson Dawn. Right. Um, also, uh, that was inferred. But well, didn't they say Amelia Clark was going to be in this? I don't recall. I mean, it would make sense if that's the case, I, but I don't recall. So, if it, if because I mean, that's definitely where the comic books are, have definitely gone because you know the Crimson Dawn. Uh, if folks haven't been paying attention to the art show, at least uh, for that last uh, War of the Bounty Hunters uh, event that was up going through Star Wars has been centered around Crimson Dawn and Crimson Rain, which is uh, I think still kind of going on. Uh, is dealing with the Crimson Dawn and Kira, which is uh, Amelia Clark's character. Um, so she's still around in the universe as far as, you know, at the timeline of the comics, which is after uh, Empire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're basically doing something with that. And actually, it sounds like they're probably going to be killing that off sometime this weekend. Uh, not this weekend, but this year. Um, the, the fall of the Crimson Dawn sounds like this is what they're teasing in the comics uh, coming up sometime this year. So we're probably going to be with that for a good while. So that would make sense if that's the case. And then she shows up in, in Boba Fett, you know, um, at, you know, probably at the early ends of, um, at, at the early ends of things. So, but um, I think that's pretty much that. For that, uh, it was a decent episode. Like I said, it is definitely a Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, Star, Star Wars something. Um, and as far as the the criticisms are concerned, like I've seen criticisms about whether the flashback keep going back to the flashbacks are working or not, that kind of things. Um, you know, I don't know if this show would work if Boba was like just doing Boba Fett stuff because we kind of saw that in the Mandalorian one and obviously Boba Fett not being a character that at least a live action version has spoken a whole, whole lot. I don't know how well that will work. Cause again, we got that in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was just serve to do just that same thing over again when they're trying to, um, um, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, give the character some legs, basically. You know, because there are, pe- I'm sure there are people who were like, you know what, Boba Fett's a badass character. We love to see see more of him. And just like you said, they, I'm sure they would. Pre- it would be because they wanted to see doing Boba Fett things. But again, got that in Mandalorian. So that being the case, though, unless you got something else to to uh, to speak on, or we can move on to the books. No, we can move on. All right, cool. Books of the week. We're going to start off with Amazing Spider-Man number 85. All righty then. Amazing Spider-Man number 85 is written by Cody Ziegler with pencils by Paco Medina. And here we go, folks. There's a lot of inkers on this book this week. It's inked by Walden Wong, Wayne Foucher, Paco Medina, Andrew Hennessy, Victor Olathaba, and Roberto Poggi. 
Callers are by Espen Grunditjern, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. Take it away, Roddy Cat. So, the crux of this book is pretty much uh, Ben versus Doc Ock uh, round two. Uh, but first, um, he kind of runs into, well, he runs into another Beyond Core uh, building trying to meet up with uh, Maxine Danger. Uh, but he goes pretty much runs up the floors. We don't necessarily get see the whole rise up to the floors, but he goes through a few different departments and sees what uh, Beyond is up to, which I got to kick out of that part because the first one he goes into, <laughs> you're not ready for this. And then he goes in there and just comes right back out and. It was kind of that was kind of funny, um, and then he runs. It's kind of a hint at oh, what I was going to say right. is before you move on. It was kind of a hint at the Beyond Corporation's origins in Next Wave. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. all that, all this like kind of really wacky science, extra dimensional stuff, and and that's why you know, I love that part. I'm not that familiar with that Next Wave stuff. I honestly probably do need to go back and yeah, reread that because it is on marvel unlimited no plugs for marvel unlimited but we know it's a great resource it's a, it's so, a good it's a good series it's only 12 issues so yeah you should definitely check that out right so ultimately i thought that was a nice little sight gag and mm-hmm. and, and and just a, a story uh, addition that lets us know that beyond is not just another evil rocks on type corporation right no they're they're an evil crazy science uh, type uh, company, and also bring yeah, with up those extra um, dimensional with extra dimensional aspects to it also. Right. So that's exactly. I think that's the important thing. Like I said, it's not just Roxon. Exactly. Even though Roxon, they've done Roxon took it to another level during um uh uh, uh what you call it War of the Realms. Mm-hmm. So, but carry on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're you're right about that. And those hangover pills pills keep. Popping up, I know, no, no pun intended, but they keep talking about those hangover pills. I kind of wonder if those those pills are gonna end up being some something else because they keep talking about them things like almost every issue. Like I feel like they've 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 brought those pills up more than they've brought Peter up at this point, which we haven't seen Peter in a couple issues, by the way, uh, or at least yeah, at least one issue, one or two issues. But regardless, uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, Otto ends up running into the daughters of the dragon, and uh, who pretty much kind of deals with them or at least moves them out of the way uh before yeah, i was about to say they him. kind of job to him that's a wrestling term folks sure <laughs> they kind of put doc ock over a little bit sure um yeah yeah there's that but in he ends up running back into uh ben who was on a date but um wait was he on a date yeah i think he was on a date um but um but also gets uh, he also pulls a Thor with uh, Maxine Danger as he goes through the uh, as he gets through the door. I don't know if you noticed that. Cause he, oh yeah, uh, I would have words with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. that was great. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, Ock, I see you there. So, but then, like I said, this leads into the the, the rematch with uh, Ben and uh, with Ben, and uh, they basically take it end up taking outside where Otto, um, pretty much gives uh, Ben. Some inform- the information that he stole uh, in the last issue, uh, and, and almost like he's helping Ben, but you know, obviously Otto has other designs going on because he's trying to get his uh, his um, the stuff that he did while he was at Parker Industries back, which is his whole reason for going after Beyond in the first place. 
Uh, but he was like, man, you're, 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 you're nothing to them. You're, you're, you're basically a pawn in this. You, you're easy controlled and this and that and the other. And here's the, here's the information. You don't have to believe me, uh, but do what you will with it. So Ben goes right. back to Maxine. and was like, nah, he, Otto got away. The, 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 the data drive got destroyed, but he still has it. Um, right. It's implied that it's implied that he still has it. And it's also, you know, I guess Otto Octavius comes in as kind of like this Deus Ex Machina that mm-hmm. basically opens Ben Riley's eyes to what's really going on. Right. Even though you know Roddy Cat and I were discussing this just prior to the show, and I'm like, my position is, you know, Ben Riley's a fool if he doesn't figure out there's actually you know something else you know ulterior going on, right. and um, you know, we'll we'll see if this drive and anything else related to Otto's time as the superior Spider-Man comes back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you read the, um, that, uh, uh, devil's reign superior. The, superior I, did, I didn't read no, that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anything came of that. Right. Yeah. I kind of wondered that also, but no, I didn't read it. Okay. So, all right. Well, I, I just wanted to mention that, yeah. you know, we're, 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 we're left kind of hanging with regards to what Otto gets out of this and what Ben Riley gets out of this particular set of data. Right. Yeah. Cause as we said before the show, um, yeah, like Ben, he wasn't completely stupid about going into this thing, but he also, he was just kind of going with it because like, well, he thought it was a shot to, you know, to be better than what he was or something. I don't know his, his motivations and his was kind of whatever they were, you know? Right. Trying to get a better life for himself and his and his and his lady friend, um. So yeah, we'll see how it turns out. You know, we have stayed on this um this book longer than we both said we were going to do. So that's the of course that's, that's the other takeaway here. <laughs> of course, I'm probably hate reading it more than anything. No, nah, I I'm uh, yeah I'm well I'm not because you know how I feel about hate reading, but yeah I'm I'm like not necessarily hate reading, but it's like okay there's been some there's been just enough stuff in there to kind of keep me of some interest, especially with the Beyond stuff because because mm-hmm. of Next Wave, so I'm I'm kind of curious on that front, and of course the fact that the Daughters of the Dragons are in there, you know, who at this point are not really being used, you know, to their full potential. Yeah, but, like I said, they're being set up as jobbers at least in this issue, so. Right. Um, but it is Dr. Octopus. He is a pretty formidable uh, villain, you know, on his own. Sure. So, but, so that and that's the part that bothers me about this particular issue. And then we can go on because at in the fight with Ben, he was like, oh, yeah, no, we got all this stuff that uh, that was set up to fight you. Like, why wasn't they given? I mean, obviously, we know why they were given that because like you said, they set, set, set the, them up to quote unquote job or whatever the case may be for that. So I get that part. But I'm sitting here like like they could have at least given him a little bit more of a try than you know than than what they set him up with. Oh, you mean giving it to Misty and uh, Colleen, right? Right. right. Like no, because I think that stuff was like under lock and key, right? You know. So I guess so. Uh, But anyway, like I said, it was still to set up the fight between the the rematch between Ben and and Otto. So that's that's it is what it is, regardless of what. And ultimately, and ultimately, Ben Riley does technically come out on top. He basically disarms every pun intended. Oh, no. Yeah. 
But he does. But he also does, does he definitely same. disarms Otto Octavius. I'm just going to move right past that joke. Um, I'm just going to continue so, to move past that. Uh, you know, I did the rim shot. We know that one was yes. pretty bad. Yes. But he does disarm Otto, and Again. you know, gets the upper hand until right. Otto turns the tables and says, "Hey, you're just a, you know, you, you're just a, a, a lackey." Right. So yeah, so that's that's pretty much that. And like I said, coming off of that, we'll see what happens after that because Ben ends up lying to Maxine about it, like I said, and and that ends the issue. And we'll we'll see what happens uh, going forward. So we're going to move on to to another book. I think we said uh, Spider Woman. Speaking of uh, special uh, Devil's Reign, right? Yeah, yeah. You can take care of the uh, the credits here. I didn't. I skimmed this book, so you can more than freely talk about it. Uh, you know, no, no worries about spoiling me on it. Obviously, spoiler warnings <clears> are in effect, but I'll ring the spoiler bell if you want to talk about uh, uh, any anything that might be uh, of import. Yeah. Uh, or relevant to a spoiler bell. Well, the the problem with that is I'm not entirely sure, but we'll get into that in a second. So, yes, so creative team is uh, writer Carla Pacheco, Art by Perry Perez, color artist Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is a personal, uh, this is a potential uh, click of the week for me because I, I enjoyed it. Um, from the, the the sound effect punches to a particular part that, that I discussed with uh, Age of 70 prior to the show. But uh, basically, uh, after the events of last issue, and apparently, uh, like I said, this is a Devil's Reign tie-in, uh, Jess goes up against the kingpin because her friend Lindsay uh, gets kidnapped and gets hurt. Uh, and uh, because of Devil's Reign, kingpin knows uh, Jessica's secret identity. So, you know, that gets brought up early and often. And I don't know. And the reason why I said I don't know, I'm not sure what all of. Is this uh, Lindsay McCabe? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm hmm. So, so and this I, is a longstanding character in the Marvel Universe, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So, yes. Correct. Uh, but like I said, uh, Jess goes after the King Ben because, because Lindsay gets hurt and they fight it out. There's a, a particular couple of panels that I enjoy because of a particular song that, that gets uh, mentioned. Uh, now I was going to ask you this, Age of Seven, because, uh, King Ben says something about daredevil manipulating their minds. Is that a recent thing or is that something? Cause I, I saw the footnote, but. Like, is that something from a recent thing, or do, do you, is that something you know about? Wait, say again? The footnote? I know what you're talking about. Say it again? Yeah. Uh, uh, the Kingpin says that Daredevil manipulated their minds. Oh, right, because that's the that's the uh, the, the impetus behind Devil's Reign. Oh, okay. Right. So that's the impetus behind Devil Reign's, Devil's Reign. So, you know, I was we were going to kind of talk about these Devil Reign, Devil's Reign book um kind of in tandem because I did in fact read the uh, the Daredevil Woman Without Fear book this week mm-hmm. and that is obviously a tie into um what Chip Zdarsky was working on with uh Daredevil and with this Devil's Reign uh mini event as right. it were so before you get to that point then let me go ahead and finish up this this, this issue by saying uh what? well no no but I just wanted to set this up and then okay. you can get to you know because the, the point is that uh, just to answer that particular question so that you can move on is that that setup, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, uh, and this is a, a, this is a spoiler for 
anyone who wants to get into Devil's Reign. But ultimately, uh, you know, all the stuff that was happening in Daredevil led to a confrontation with Kingpin, who is currently the mayor of New York City. And uh, the, 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 the setup is that the Kingpin has been gathering information on lots of people, including heroes and possible uh, uh, clues on secret identities for, you know, for forever and ever. And when he got to the Matt Murdock, I mean, to the Daredevil file, he couldn't read it or it was blank and he knew that there was something amiss. And, you know, when he confronted uh, Daredevil about it, uh, basically Daredevil uh, 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 kind of let it slip that uh, something was done to have everyone forget that he was, in fact, Matt Murdock. And that is the that is the uh, the domino that fell that caused uh, Wilson Fisk to undergo lots of different steps so that uh, this whole Devil's Reign event, uh, you know, is going on. So that's why I wanted to throw that in there so that Roddy Cat, so that you can be informed of how this possibly reads with the rest of this book now. Sure. Got it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I haven't, I've been reading Daredevil and I've not read uh, Devil's Reign, so I didn't know, you know, I, I saw that footnote. I was like, okay, that, that I guess that was something recent. So it makes sense. But, um, so they don't know. The fight goes on and, um, it, I mean, there's a couple of weird couple because I guess that's that's like Daredevil's brand new day. But regardless, um, uh, the fight ends up going. You know, I don't know. I feel like it was a stalemate between them two. But then uh, Kingpin's like, "Hey, you know what? I sent somebody after your 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 son, basically." And it's a callback to Secret Invasion, without spoiling it. Right. Right. I thought that was a little weird because right. I was like, wait a second, this character's still around to exactly. get a file from the Kingpin? Exactly. I'm sitting here like, wait, I thought that character was dead because I thought they killed that character back then. That was weird to me. Right. But apparently, hey, they, they, they sucked her away in, or in, in, in a place. So I guess it's been so long, nobody even cares or remembers <laughs> that that many people yeah. remember. So I was like, hey, yeah, sure, we'll bring this character back some kind of way. So, and that's going to go into the next issue. Um, and you said you wanted to talk about the um, woman without fear. Right. So, uh, in tandem. So, let me pull this up. So, Daredevil, Woman Without Fear, number one, is written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Rafael De La Torre, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So just give me a quick second, because I want to double check to see how many issues this limit. I know that this I is a limited three. series. I want to say it's three. So I want to see how many issues this is. I'm just jumping over to the uh, the previews catalog for this week and double checking. Yep, it is one. This is issue one of three. So uh, this is, as I said earlier, a tie-in to Devil's Reign. And this is Electra kind of going down memory lane. And, you know, this, you know, just kind of going over the, the general gist of these Devil's Reign stories, especially from the hero's perspective, is that files that the Kingpin has been keeping on all these heroes, he's making sure they make their way into the hands of certain uh, characters and villains who have a particular bone to pick with these heroes. So we already have 
uh, character that is related to Spider-Woman in that Spider-Woman issue, right? Who has a deep tie to uh, Spider-Woman. And in this issue, without uh, without uh, spoiling too much, right? We basically have a little trip down memory lane with uh, Elektra as she goes through her history, uh, you know, kind of going over how she met Matt Murdock, you know, what, what she learned from Stick, how she was drafted into the hand, and ultimately at the end, after a bunch of kind of twists and turns and red herrings thrown all the way into the book at the end of the issue, what's been teased is that the Kingpin gave the file to a very uh, eager villain. And that villain does not really have much of a connection to Elektra, right? So that's a bit of a curveball. You know, you, you know, you figure, well, considering the events of the Daredevil book, it's probably not, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it, but it's probably not who you think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not, if you're, if you're not uh, caught up on, on uh, the Daredevil books. So it was definitely an unexpected villain who ended up drawing the electrophile uh, as a target. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. But right, it was an was, interesting was kind of um, walk down memory lane for Electra as she's kind of thinking back on all like basically her entire history up until the point where she meets Matt Murdock. Right. Because I feel like if you. Yeah, because just as you were going through that, I, there was one particular person I was thinking about, and and I believe you have mentioned that person may have shown up in the book, in her book, in, in, in Daredevil already. Yeah, so that's interesting that it's, it's it's not that person. Definitely not that person. So you know, uh, you know, when Roddy Cat flips through this, you know, that's sometimes what we own. That's that's sometimes all we have time for, folks. Mm. Is you know, we'll flip through these books because of, uh, you know. Uh, the other co-hosts, you know, mentioning it to us, you know, just out of curiosity or just to keep up with a particular event and we'll flip through it and see, oh, okay, this is what they're talking about. And, you know, and that's one of the reasons why we try not to spoil every single thing so that some surprises are are, are left to uh, be still enjoyed by the people who are reading and following along. Yep. All righty. So that is Daredevil Woman Without Fear number one. Uh, you know, we basically have all of these Marvel books in common, like FF and Marauders and Miss Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. You want to do FF and then go wrap it? Yeah, we'll do FF. All right. All right. So Fantastic Four number 39 is written by Dan Slott with art by Francesco Mana, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So we pick up um, on, I guess it's day two of this uh, custody hearing that uh, has been initiated by uh, the wizard. Uh, and I'll tell you that this issue, the way, you know, the way it kind of set some characters in a new direction, I think is what the, the whole point of this was, as opposed to kind of resolving any uh, any questions that were brought up. That seemed to right. be, you know, that seemed to be what, um, you know, that seemed to be what I, I guess the goal was. And ultimately, uh, this custody battle, this custody hearing, um, 
you know, bear in mind that She-Hulk is representing the FF here. And, you know, for the most part, the hearing goes the, the way of the, you know, in favor of the FF. Mm-hmm. But there is a there there's kind of a twist at the end where um, it's revealed that not all is as it seems with regards to the wizard and the wizard character that we've seen for probably the you know, uh, <laughs> the book of you know the recent past right, right. Mm-hmm. you know the wizards played a role in several books within the last several years right you know he's made a bunch of appearances uh, wasn't he in um, he was in that power pack book. Yes, I was gonna say thank you for because uh, I couldn't remember. I was like he's in that that the that book where he was um absor- uh, 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 siphoning off power mm-hmm. from the power kids and so, yeah and uh, future foundation. I think he showed up at the end of that, right? So and yeah, uh, in other places. So yeah, right. So interestingly, we get this, uh, you know, we get this uh, uh, variation on the clone theme that we've seen over in the Spidey books. And you know all's you know all, all's kind of resolved in a very strange way, but at the end, but at the same time, we have uh, Bentley Twenty Three's character evolving in an unforeseen way, if you ask me, but in an interesting way. And I'm with Dragon Man on this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I am too, because I was like, yeah, I don't know how to feel about that either, but <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's what I mean when I say that this issue kind of served as, you know, it didn't necessarily answer any questions, but it definitely pushed this particular character in a new direction. Honestly, the, these last couple of issues was pretty much a filler arc or a filler. Basically, it felt like a filler. Not to say it was a bad thing, because sometimes I know some some people think uh, there are filler arcs that are bad, you know, but not all filler arcs are are, are meaningless. But, right. Well, I think it's a setup arc because I sure. think what it is, it's setting up because uh, uh, Slot's big story is next, right? right so he's like basically taking mm-hmm. at least one of these characters, maybe not off the table, but outside, but putting two of these characters outside of the sphere of influence of the Fantastic Four for now. Sure. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, you know, putting them and putting them off, you know, in another corner of the Marvel Universe so that they can develop for another story later on. That's what it seemed like to me. So because we all know that's one of slots, you know, uh, uh, kind of tried and true storytelling uh, mechanisms. Right. Yeah. He will put something off to take something off the table and bring it back later, way later on or something like that. So, yeah. Right. This is so that. That's definitely a slot thing. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, uh, you know, we do touch on a little bit on the uh, the Human Torch thing where, you know, he's just a super powered, overpowered version of himself right now. Yeah. Someone, I, I won't go so far as to say he's pretty much, I mean, obviously his, his powers are coming from, they're all, their powers come from Cosmic Rays. So he's close to, probably closer to Cosmic than the one where he was. Right. Now, he's definitely like an out-of-control Fire Lord. You know, mm-hmm. he's almost like, you know, uh, Herald of Galactus level. Basically. Uh, yeah. uh, of power right now. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see how that uh, how that shakes out going forward. I mean, will that be, get taken care of in Reckoning War? Who's to say? But we know that's coming up next. Right. So that's a little FF event uh, that is... 
Are there going to be tie-in? I think there are tie-in issues. Yes. To the Reckoning uh, War. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a little mini-event yeah, in the because, FF corner of the Marvel Universe. Yes, because I think the next book is uh, uh, Reckoning War Alpha. And then I think... Oh, Alpha and Omega! Mm-hmm. So, and then I think it's going to come back into the FF book or something. I think there was something at the end of the uh, issue about it. So, but they, but they definitely did mention uh, the, the Alpha. So, oh yeah, that was a little part in here with Franklin and, and the therapy, which they kind of they did some things with. But and I, I thought that was part was 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 kind of touching, and that probably also is probably also a setup into what's coming up next. So, at some thing. But that being said, that's a uh, Fantastic Four number thirty nine, and I guess we will be going into uh oh not clicks a week um fire. <laughs> rapid fire. All right, let me spin up the minigun. I ain't got time to breathe. All right. Uh, allow me to run through these. And I know that Roddy Cat uh, shares a few of these books. So uh, first up for me is Marauders number 27. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Loli and Phil Noto with colors by Rain Barreto and Phil Noto. Letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is definitely the last issue of this volume of Marauders because that is exactly how it reads. We have a couple of vignettes basically in this issue that focus on the current roster of the Marauders and teases the upcoming roster of the Marauders when they relaunch the book in the Destiny of X um, series of or or era of the uh, X-Men. So, you know, we touch on, you know, basically each and every character from Kate, from Kate Pride to uh, Iceman to... Uh, Pyro and Bishop in a in a, in a funny uh, buddy cop uh, heist comedy thing with uh, cryptocurrency at at its heart, and uh, you know we also catch up with uh, Emma Frost, her feelings on how the Hellfire Club should be run. So there are lots of things here that serve as a setup for the next era of the Marauders. Yeah, the, the the issue basically feels like, uh, or at least at least the end of the issue kind of feels like, um, and I know people of a certain vintage will, will get this reference, but those uh, before the credit scenes uh, back in the 80s movies where they say, and this person goes on to do this and that and then this other, it kind of felt like that. Uh, and as Agent 7 said, yeah, it definitely felt like it was... Um, read like it was ending uh, the book it was ending which it is so or at least uh, this particular volume is so right right it's meant to you know it's meant to put characters not necessarily back into the toy box as it were but to give them a place a kind of a clean place uh for the next uh creative team to start from so mm-hmm. um it's interesting that um you know some of these characters may be reassigned to different books you know, we, we're probably going to get a new Marauders team, you know, a new lineup. You know, that is the way of the X, uh, X-Men ca- uh, corner of the Marvel Universe. So, um, yeah, ultimately, know. you know, ultimately we'll see where that number one takes us. It's uh, another two months away. Right. And I believe there's an annual coming for them. So I don't know if that's also going to be setting that up or that's just going to be like a, a, a what I think. Because I saw I think I saw the cover and it's like a, a different group of people. Right. So, right. so we'll see when that comes out. Mm-hmm. Next up is Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit number two. 
number two is written by Samira Ahmed with art by Andre Genolet, colors by Triona Farrell, and letters by our favorite Paisan VC's Joe Catamania. Um, you know, uh, He's, you know, he, he, he lettered, I think, a bunch of books this week. You know, he did the FF number 39. I did see him on that Bloodstone book as well. So uh, I didn't read it, but I saw him in the credits. Yeah, um, I did. We'll get to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, this issue is, um, you know, kind of a direct follow-up to uh, the first issue. We find Ka- uh, Kamala Khan in the middle of a fever dream as it were she's kind of hallucinating her way through what she thinks is the transformation of jersey city into a bollywood extravaganza and you know we've kind of brought through a lot of her uh, in, uh a lot of the things that she thinks she's seeing which her brain convinces her is real and ultimately we find that uh, without beating around the bush, that it may be related to this shadow character that has been, you know, kind of haunting her throughout these first two issues. And uh, uh, Kamala's group of friends basically help her deduce that, you know, it's got to be the reason why she's having this uh, rough equivalent of a, of a spider sense attack, a spidey tingle. They make a, a, a funny reference to that. And... Uh, at the end of the issue, we find that uh, Kamala has uh, a couple of uh, a couple of things that she's going to have to work out with this shadow person. Yeah, at the, uh, the only thing I add to this is that uh, at the end of the book, I felt like that uh, I, I just saw a version of that Spider-Man meme pointing at each other without the actual pointing at each other. Yeah, that's interesting. That's definitely interesting. And, you know, we one thing that we have uh, kind of uh, kind of thought about as as the result of things that we've learned about the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus show and what they plan to do with her powers there. We're one. I think we we, we definitely uh, thought hard about what they might do with Kamala in this little miniseries, right. and I wonder if they're hinting towards that because of the issues that she's having with her powers over the course of these first two issues. I think that is very much the case, and because they they make a point of mentioning that her powers have changed even from the the uh, the onset of them, because, right? Because they mention the fact that yeah, she could transform, she could uh, morph into people. Which I don't vaguely remember that happening, but um, I do remember, like, you know, her with the whole Miss Marvel, uh, you know, Captain Marvel thing or Miss Marvel thing, whatever. But they, so they basically, uh, they are basically hinting around about, like, yeah, her her powers have changed before, so they very much could again. Right. So, you know, whether or not this is a, an early reveal of the powers that are going to be portrayed in the Miss Marvel Disney Plus show or not. Right. Remains to be seen, but it definitely feels like that's been hinted at. Right. Which I feel you know, like this I've... is pure conjecture on our part, but exactly. we feel like this is, you know, this seems to be trending in that direction. Yeah. Which I don't know, but if that is the case, and that's where it goes, I don't know how to feel about that because I, I kind of like her powers the way they are. But at the same time, like I said, I don't know. And with what they seem to be setting up. Uh, with the Disney Plus show, from what we have seen, what we've talked about in the past, I'm, I'm not sure if I care about that part about it, but it is what it is, you know. 
because there's ways to do her current powers now, you know, um, but I guess, you know, effects being what they are, like, the way they look like they're setting up, up doesn't seem like the effects, it's not going to be less of an effects uh, issue than not, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, on. exactly, we don't know, yeah, you know, exactly. because there's, I've read, I've read thoughts that maybe it's because they want to differentiate her from Reed Richards, and, yeah. you know, she was always similar to Reed. She's mm-hmm. always going to be similar to Reed, but um, they always depicted her abilities as being uh, kind of like a, a mix of, you know, giant man and Reed. Right. You know, because that's the whole embiggening thing. Right. So, and the whole polymorph but, uh, thing, you know, was, was kind of a, a, a differentiation uh, in that situation. Say again? I said the whole polymorph. You remember they called her a polymorph right. for the whole time, and that's not supposed to be like a differentiation of between her and his powers, right? Yeah, right, right, right. And uh, last for me this week is the Good Asian number eight. This is number eight of ten, and it is written by Pornsak Pichachot with art by Alexandra Tefeki and uh, colors by Lee Luffridge and letters by Jeff Powell. So this is a 10-issue limited series. So we are in the home stretch, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have been keeping up with The Good Asian. If you haven't, bottom line is this is, uh, you know, set in um, uh, the 1930s. It's 1936, and, uh, you know, it is a very – Odd time for Asian Americans, uh, especially um, uh, on the mainland here in the United States. And this is very much a noir crime story. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. This is a limited series that is in the home stretch, as I said, like getting ready to um, to uh, come to a big finish, I hope. And we are. We're we're. we're we're following in this issue one of the previously side characters because the protagonist that we've been following up until now had something very bad happen to him at the end of last issue. And, uh, you know, not spoiling anything, but we are following leads that the protagonist had been developing and the side character steps to the fore of the investigation that is at the core of this kind of crime noir, uh, book that is, um, you know, peppered with historical notes, but at the same time is right on the edge of, um, you know, uh, uh, putting uh, these characters into uh, history, as it were. You know, we're definitely just dealing with a particular time and a particular uh, set of circumstances that this story could conceivably happen in. Uh, this is definitely um, a different speed than what we are used to as kind of a superhero-centric uh, podcast, but we definitely try our hand at other books. We definitely do our best to try to diversify what we're reading. And I think this has been a nice, uh, a nice detour, a diversion, a, a nice, uh, tangent as it were for, uh, you know, to go down, and, and to to go in this direction and and give noir a try. After reading this, I, I feel like maybe I should, 
try some of Brubaker's, you know, crime, you know, uh, noir stuff because it's, you know, it's obviously not as period specific. Uh, sometimes, you know, this one is very, you know, period specific, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's def- it definitely helps to widen our perspectives and to broaden our, uh, uh our perspectives to see how, uh, some other comics can be written and ha- how well they can be done. So I think that, Good Asian right now is winding up as one of the better, uh, you know, non-superhero books that I've tried in the recent in in, in the recent past. So, uh, for anyone who's looking for something different to read, I would recommend the Good Asian. So, uh, and it's almost up. It is in issue number eight. There are only two issues left. So there will be a trade collecting these ten issues coming sooner rather than later. So you can read it all in one shot. Gotcha. And that is it for me. Excuse me. You mentioned Brubaker. Um, I remember talking about um, uh, one of his books with uh, Steve Epting a few years back on the show. It wasn't. It's not crime noir, but it's like spy. Um, but, uh, Velvet. Velvet is a pretty good one. Right. Uh, if you get a chance to to read that. So I think I want to say did it in. I, I remember it ending, but I don't remember if it like closed, uh, ended or just like. End it, but it was pretty good. It was basically it's like what if uh, what if Miss Money Penny from James Bond was like the best spy the agency had uh, secretly. So, uh, but definitely check that out. Anyway, um, for my um, uh, rapid fire stuff, we have the book that we thought would never die finally ending, folks. Savage Avengers. <laughs> Number twenty-eight. It has. Finally- I'm sorry. I I, I laughed. I, I hit the the laugh track right over Roddy Cat saying what the book is. Please say it again. Oh, and that's fine. Savage Avengers number twenty-eight. And as you can see, I have it up on on the uh, video version. You should check out the video version sometime. By the way, folks. Um, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Patch Zerker, colors color artist uh, Java Ohava uh, Tataglia, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So yeah, like I said, book's over with, it's done, send everybody home, which it kind of basically did, because the last little tie of this was um, we see uh, Conan training a young Colin Gath after uh, steering him away from magic, Um, and the crux of the book is pretty much uh, that, and then seeing where Conan ends up, thanks to, um, thanks to... Kang, uh, the Conqueror, um, and that's pretty much it. The only other thing is, it was, it's kind of funny because it's like uh, during the the beginning of the book in Conan's training, cooling uh, cooling Gath, kind of reminds me of Dragon Ball, the beginning of Dragon Ball Z, where Piccolo's training um, Gohan. Okay, so it, it does. There's a slight. I feel like a slight nod to that. I don't know if that was intentional or not, or maybe that's just me inferring something that's not there but if you get a chance to read this you'll you'll see what i'm talking about i can i can guarantee it uh, i skipped so you know oh, okay. I, I i think i know what you're talking about but yeah no definitely uh well you know when after you finish this i, I had a comment sure okay um I mean, there's not really much else to say. Like I said, we uh, everybody else had been already put back to where they were. Like I said, we just pretty much find out where um, Conan lands in this, and apparently, you know, thanks to Marvel's license, he is still in the present day. You know, spoiler alert, but you know, it's just pretty much setting him uh, to still be where he is, uh, and may still 
get back to where uh, it is stated for him to be at some point, but I guess we'll find out at some point, some other point in the future. Right. The one thing I wanted to mention is I thought it was interesting that you know, the whole point of the ending, you know, this coda, as it were, of Savage Avengers is uh, Conan's effort to uh, or Conan's effort to not Conan because Conan is Conan O'Brien. This is Conan the Barbarian, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Conan is looking to try to redeem uh, Cool and Gath and try to push him in another direction where Cool and Gath. Up until now, I've been one of the, you know, like a, a, a sorcerer character that had definitely proven to be a thorn in the side of many heroes and has popped up at various times. And it's just interesting that they would try to take him. And obviously all this is comic book world, so it's temporary. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting that they would try to kind of do a final solution with him, as it were. Right. Or a potential but, final ish, because who's like like you said, it is comics. They could very much you know, right reverse that right, and and it's weird that they would do it using time travel, mm-hmm. since we just watched Endgame, and you know we're all dealing with variants now. So basically, you know, did we just get a variant timeline where Kulan Gath didn't become? Uh, this powerful wizard, there's just other timelines that have Kulan Gats as a powerful wizard. So, um, you should mention that, you because know, there is a, there is a line in this book, uh, that says something in this issue that basically says like, um, something about basically, Hey, I approve of this version of you or something like that. Where not, not to go into what actually happens, but right. it, it mentions a version of, of, of him. So yeah, it's kind of it's interesting that you would say that, right? Because at the end of the day, I you know, I'm not all that attached to the Kulan Gath character, but I I I distinctly have very strong memories of books that I've read that had him involved in it. Specifically, I remember some crossover issues with um, X Men. I was a kid. Ramita Junior was on the book and you know the avengers and spidey were involved and mm-hmm. it was Which you know some that really graphic stuff for you know right. for you know to read at that age when i was you know you know when i it was like super formative right mm-hmm. and you know i know that kurt busiek and george perez brought Kulangath uh back into uh, avengers uh in their run in the uh late 90s so uh, you know, you know, we while we haven't seen the character that much, and obviously in this iteration of the character, he was kind of um, built up to be this what they call in the movies now an Avengers level threat. <laughs> right, he's one of the big three. Yes, exactly. So um, ultimately, you know, it, it's weird that they would kind of. Uh, you know, as I said, attempt this kind of final solution, but at the end of the day, we also know that it's comic, so nothing is ever final, final. Right, exactly. And worth noting, like oh, those couple of events that you that you mentioned, the 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 Avengers run and the uh, and the X Men stuff, yeah, all of that kind of got brought up during the course of this during the run of this uh, book. Right. Uh, so, which yeah, we're not. So, so yeah, it's finally done. We're here now. Uh, I'm sure they'll collect it in. 
uh, trade. I think uh, Jerry Duggan's hoping for an omnibus, or 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 it's kind of hinted at the end of it's probably going to be an omnibus, or or at least hoping for an omnibus of this run. It was pretty good, like I said, given humble-ish begins of this book and the fact that it lasted longer than well longer than it than we thought it was supposed to i I would say not necessarily it was supposed to because it came out of an event and figured after that event that was that was going to be it but then it ran up a couple of other events and then those events were over and then it just kind of took a life of its own after that uh up until now uh and pretty much kept, kept uh the same line going through it so we're finally here, folks, and there it is. Uh, next up, though, I should probably skip a book because it's something related to that, but we'll get back to that in a moment. The Thing number three. Um, I, I think Agent 70 said you probably not, you're, you're off this book already. Which book? Uh, the Thing, number three. I read it. Go ahead. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. I didn't see anything. Right, um, I didn't. I just didn't type it in into my notes because, you know, I I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to to recap it. I don't know. I wasn't sure how I felt about it to be honest. I got you. Uh, written by Walter Mosley, yes, the Walter Mosley of Devil in a Blue Dress and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, fame. Uh, art by Tom Riley, uh, color artist Jody Berlair, and uh, letters by VCs Joseph Bino. I believe this is three of five, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember at this point. I had to look that up, but. Um, so yeah, uh, after the events of last issue, Ben and the, uh, his two companions have escaped, um, uh, the underground city and, um, Ben and, uh, his new lady friend at this, at this point, because if you remember, uh, folks remember, this is pretty much a slash new old, uh, story from Ben's past. So this is not like current. This is from. I guess this is through when one of the times where he and Alicia broke up back in the back in the back in the day, and I'm going to assume this is after his own, uh, after Secret Wars, especially with what I think, especially with who shows up in this book. Because um, if you're looking at the cover, it kind of it almost seems like it. Oh well, no, it doesn't. Let me hush. Uh, regardless. Um, Ben starts to get the picture of the of uh, something's going on with his two companions at the end of this book. But before he gets to that point, uh, he has a rematch with um, a, an elder of the universe uh, that he's sparred with in the past. Uh, and apparently this elder is here for a reason, <laughs> to which I love when Ben was like, when, when he told the said reason, Ben was like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> like, I'm not dealing with this. Um, but, uh, and apparently the, the, this elder knows who uh, Ben's campaigns are, or at least seems to be the case. And at the end of this issue, Ben's kind of starting to put two and two together and getting to, like the audience pretty much knew that like, so there was something more that these two, these two people than we knew. Right. About. And thanks to, uh, surveillance in the Baxter building. Exactly. Uh, Ben has kind of gotten, um, starting to get the getting a bigger picture of what's going on here as he talks to uh reed at the outset of this issue so we'll see where this where this ends up and what's uh because that has been the big curiosity of like who are these people uh that that have that have shown up in ben's life at this point um and whether it's going to be people that we know just in a different form or some new characters that they brought up for some odd reason we'll see 
Um, let's see. Next up, I am Batman number five. Which, speaking of books that read like they were ending, this one kind of did. But it's not. Um, let's see. Uh, written by John Ridley, art by Kristen Deuce, and Juan Ferreria, Ferreira, excuse me, and Laura Braga. Colors by Rex Locus and letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. Uh, the course of this issue is uh, Jason escaping from this Talos uh, troopers that he's been fighting while um, Lucas, Lucius Fox is kind of looking on because there's this other guy, you know, that's been using his tech uh, for these troopers. Um, but the takeaway from this issue is that uh, one, uh, Jace's, uh, the, uh, Jace's sister comes out of her com- coma and we find out what's going on. Uh, I mean, we find out that she still has some more uh, healing to do. Uh, Lucius finds out uh, Jace's secret identity through this uh, thing. And we also find out uh, how um, uh, Jace leaves or what's the reason Jace is leaving Gotham because, as we know, the Batman, the uh, Batman is leaving Gotham and leaving it to the rest of the Bat family. That includes Jace. Well, excuse me, let me phrase that. Batman, Bruce Wayne, and Batman Jace both left Gotham to kind of make way for whatever's going on um, uh, with the the rest of the Bat family and this whatever storylines uh, that they're doing with that. So this kind of you know has him leaving Gotham just like Bruce did, I believe, what last week. Was that last week? Uh, no, it's, it's it's been in the last few weeks. weeks. It's, okay. it's been like you know, he's he's only a little bit behind because I, if you recall, um, I've talked about um, uh, Bruce being in that awful uh, Southeast Asian country of Badnesia. Okay, a yeah, couple times already. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he's left he's left Gotham at least in the main Batman book for a couple of issues now gotcha. but yeah no jace is just now catching up to uh, jace's story is just now catching up to uh the two batmen the two current batmen uh leaving gotham gotcha right so and that's that's like I said, that's that's pretty much just this and the next issue is i'm assuming is, is probably going to set them up where where he's going to be which is in new york um, right. I mean, that's already hinted in the last panel. I, right. I flipped through this very quickly. Oh, yeah, totally. No, it's just, again, we, and we know from solicits and um, other stuff that he was going to be in New York. So it's, this is not like, I mean, obviously, if you don't uh, read solicits or whatever the case may be, you won't know this part. But this has come up in other places that, that this is going to be a thing that's happened uh, because of this other storyline going through. And that's that. Uh, Star Wars number 20. Which there was a couple of Star Wars books this week. This was the only one I had a chance to read because uh, Bounty Hunters came out and a couple of High Republic books uh, came out, but I hadn't hadn't had a chance to check those out. And the reason why I mentioned the High Republic stuff is because, well, uh, this book that was written by Charles Soule, art by Marco Castillo, um, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, has a High Republic character. Uh, show up in it or rather the imprint of a a, a high uh, republic character which i still need to catch up on some of that stuff because there, there's there's been a lot of high republic books uh, that come out whether in novel form or comic form so um i believe this character came out in charles Soule's novel 
um, Light of the Jedi, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and probably has been in the the, the High Republic comic book uh, at this point. But I'm not sure about that because, like I said, I haven't, I haven't uh, caught up. But I will at some point. Regardless, Luke ends up going. Uh, Luke ends up uh, getting frustrated because the holocron, or at least so he thought, you know, uh, was pretty much reviewing information that he already knew. But comes to find out that that's not the case, and it gives him a clue to this other Jedi planet to where he um, uh, ends up coming across the, the imprint of this um, this uh, High Republic character, and they had, they chop it up for a good while and then Luke gets sent off uh, well Luke leaves and gets sent off with a, a parting gift of a book which he's going to uh, I'm sure be perusing through um, in the next few issues I am very certain so uh, it was an like I said I, I don't know too much about this character because this is my first time seeing him and I, but I do outside of the fact that I know where this where this character's come from uh, after doing a little bit of research um, but, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up on some of that stuff. Cause look, that stuff's been kind of interesting. And like I said, we, Luke's been sent, um, sent off on another thing and it looks like they're cutting back to something else in the next issue, but we'll see that when we get there. Uh, last book is death of Dr. Strange, bloodstone number one. um, which is revolving around the characters of uh, Elsa Bloodstone and her and her brother Cullen, and their kind of contentious uh, relationship. Um, uh, but also introduces the uh, introduces a new Bloodstone character. Again, we feel like we've talked about this in news. And actually, let me get to the uh, creative team: uh, writer Tini Howard, art by Iguara, colors by Dijo Lima. And letters by VCs Joe Caramania. Uh, so yeah, like I said, the the, the crux of this book is uh, the introduction of this new Bloodstone character, uh, who is uh, a little different from the other two uh, Bloodstones because of um, uh, where they where they their journey basically, and um, even down to their trademark. Um, gem in their chest uh that is different from the uh the the other uh the other two bloodstones and obviously because of uh the death of dr strange was a i guess a pretty decent uh entryway to this character to come in based on the way they set it up and it seems like they are setting up um they may be setting up this character to to get uh to go into another book um that we know of. Uh I I'm going to assume at the end of this book was um was um put going to put her in another Doctor Strange uh tied book. Um and maybe even into a bigger role uh, if uh solicitors or whatnot are to be believed. But we don't know that for certain. Um, uh, but regardless, like I said, this is the, the, that's pretty much the gist of that. Um, without going into too much of it, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with this new character and the Bloodstones going forward with with what they have set up here. And with that, uh, that is my books, and we can go to clicks of the week.
Clicks of the Week. Uh, we did get one click from Tim, which was uh, Dark Ages number four, which is another book I haven't uh, been reading. But yeah, uh, there's two more. There's two more of them. It's Dark Age. This is number four of six. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's basically just like, hey, um, Marvel characters in medieval times. Uh, that's that's a very. I I don't remember the. The conceit of this book outside of that um but i'm not sure do you have yours yeah i had a kind of uneven uh week this week reading a lot of the marvel books that i had i thought daredevil woman without fear was pretty solid for a uh, for a devil's reign tie-in I thought that you know, even though it was a little a little all over the place, that FF number thirty nine wasn't bad. Um, but I think I'm going to go with the Good Asian number eight. Okay, you've you've been solid on that book uh, the whole time you've been reading it, so that's cool. Uh, so I pop that up right there, and I think for mine, um. Actually, it's probably fairly simple. Uh, Spider-Woman number 18. I go with that. I, I, that was a fun read this week. The, despite the, the Devil's Reign tie-in, that the part that may or may not have been missed on me because of that, um, the, the book was still a, a, a good, fun read. Uh, and that being the case, uh, we can move on to the news section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. So place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you. Go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us, do it today. And now we get into the news. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Whoa. Okay. Cinematic news, folks. Um, we start off with... Oh, nice. Uh, Cowboy Bebop Netflix uh, renewal petition blows past 100K signatures. I believe I've seen somebody online asking if petitions do work. Folks, we got the Snyder Cut. That's all I'm going to say. That's well, true enough. Yeah. You know, whether the, regardless of how we feel about petitions, sometimes those stupid things work. Next up. Alrighty, Wonder Woman's Gal Gadot uh, shares update on the third film. So she shared an update on when filming might get underway on Wonder Woman 3. When asked by InStyle about the status of the third film in the DCEU franchise, Gadot said, we're developing the script right now. We'll probably start in a year and a half or so. 
Warner, Warner Brothers fast-tracked a third Wonder Woman movie in December 2020, immediately following the release of Wonder Woman 1984. That can't have been the case because that, I mean, that, that can't be because everyone loved Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> oh, the digs, the digs. <laughs> you know, shots fired. You people who are listening and watching know when I am taking a very, very obvious shot. So, uh, wow, that movie. Um, next up, James Gunn delivering second uh, DC TV series to follow Peacemaker, apparently. Um, which. I guess we could take this time to say that, hey, Peacemaker is out there. There are three separate episodes on uh, HBO Max, actually four probably um, at this point. Really? I think, but yeah, because I think they come out on Thursdays. I, um, well, I don't know if there's one. I could have sworn there might have been one. They, it might be next Thursday, but I know, I believe Thursdays are when new episodes are coming out. Right, but wasn't this the f- the opening weekend? That's what I'm saying. The, it was the, the first. Yeah, it? it was the first of three. So I don't know if there. I don't think there's going to be another one. I thought. Right. Um, I think they released they they released three episodes. Right. So I actually burned through them today in two sittings, and they were interesting, and not for kids. I repeat, not for kids. That is very much the truth. Um. Yeah, there there are some adult situations in that in that camp. Uh, so yeah, don't don't bring the little the little Jimmies in the gym. The little Jimmies <laughs> uh, to this one. I watched first first episode. Um, I love me some Danielle Brooks, so I'm kind of there for that one. I'm not cr- crazy about Cena. I'm just going to check it out. I may go through the rest of them. There's there's something there, but I I'm not bro. I don't know. I'm not. Real big right, one. and you definitely and 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 Roddy Cat agreed with me when I said this. You can definitely see James Gunn's fingerprints yes. all over this show. Every bit of it, for certain. They're just like go nuts. They they basically told him just go nuts with it, and it seemed like right. that's the case. Right, and he doesn't necessarily have you know continuity to to deal with. He does you know connect this. Uh, the first episode to the events of uh, the Suicide Squad movie. So, yes, you know, but beyond that, there. they're off in their own corner of the DCEU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the, there's definitely a couple of ties to that there. Yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. Without going All right. So, those. next up. Uh, oh, wait. Actually, before, oh. Wait, before you, before you go on, let me go ahead and mention this. Uh, Naomi also started this week. That comes out on Tuesdays. So, on the CW. Uh, it's on CW app and CW Seed if you're interested. I called know. it the WB earlier. Yeah, yeah we yeah, same show. That's that, that was a, a brain fart. Yeah, <laughs> same difference. It it doesn't matter. CWWB is just the same thing. Um, but yeah, that's out there. I watched the first episode of that. It was it is it is definitely a CW ish so show. Um, and I as a person who is familiar-ish with the camera, uh, uh, with the character, but has not read the miniseries that it's read off of. You know, again, there's a CW, there, there's a whole CW Buffy Scooby game theme that seems like they're, they're starting off with. Uh, but I guess we'll see as, as it goes forward. Now we can move on to the next one. Award-winning comic book writer Ed Brubaker has joined the staff of the upcoming animated series Batman Caped Crusader. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Brubaker is attached as head writer and executive producer on the series. Ooh. 
alongside Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves, as well as co-producer James Tucker. So that is uh, a pretty stacked lineup in terms of uh, writers who have, I think, a, a, a really interesting or at least a very uh, strong take on what Batman is. Because Brubaker has had long comic runs, Tim obviously has, you know, his his take on uh, uh, the animated Batman, and Matt Reeves has done a Batman movie, and JJ is JJ. <laughs> yes, um, Brubaker also did the like the um, GCPD book, which um, from what I remember reading was actually pretty good. Or at least I think he started on. I think somebody else took over it, but regardless, some good stuff. Uh, and I feel like they've showed it Brubaker in the past on these this live actions, but then again, they've showed it a lot of people <laughs> on this live action things with with credit wise. So it's good that he's getting something here at least. Um. So yeah, I'm. I don't. I never knew what i felt about this uh thing going into it outside of the fact that hey that the bruce tim was still was involved with it so this is kind of up in that you know so i guess this is going to be like a animated series plus right so hey we'll see next up though um netflix gives sandman the tvma rating for language violence and sex so yeah the Sandman uh, is still happening, I guess, and it's going to be TVMA, which does that mean anything in the, at this point in time? Probably not so much, but uh, so far as uh, maybe not take bring the kids into this one also. Outside of that, I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with Sandman or what happens in what is, happens in that in those books, but it is what it is. Next. Next up, so spoiler alert, Star Trek Prodigy delivers its own epic No Way Home moment. So I don't think Roddy Cat has watched No Way Home yet. Nope. So I'm going to ask him to go la 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 <laughs> while we go through this Star Trek Prodigy uh, story. Are you uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so Star Trek Prodigy returned from its mid-season break with a surprise crossover and uh basically um i'm not going to go through the through all this but basically it's a surprise crossover with lots of characters from different tracks mm, of course which eh, not not a surprise there given what what it was saying like even i know that much so um I just that was a weird buzzing I just heard, and I'm like, damn, I almost felt like Naomi for a second. Um, she Hulk photo reveals Tatiana Maslany's uh, mocap Hulk face, apparently. Um, so yeah, uh, let's see. Marvel fans have gotten another look at She Hulk's um, as She Hulk's Tatiana Maslany as the Jade Giantess, sort of. Uh, one of She-Hulk's cast members, Ginger Gonzaga, posted an Instagram story of Maslany uh, wearing a green-skinned, black-eyed, black-eyed face above her actual face, uh, adorned with the mocap equipment for an unknown scene. Uh, Gonzaga uh, dubbed the, the post a shout-out to Jin Hulk, as we nicknamed her. Uh, this is what um, uh, Tatiana Maslany has to hold on top of her head when she's when she's shocky. And if you're watching the video version, you can see the Instagram post um, 
right there. So, yeah, there you go. Next. Next like one of those up. crash test dummies. But anyway, next. What's that? I said it looks like one of those crash test dummy faces. Okay. Uh, next up, Marvel taps Daredevil and Punisher writers for Disney Plus's Echo series. So talent from a handful of canceled Marvel Netflix series is going to be joining the crew of Echo as the writers behind key episodes of Daredevil and the Punisher have been tapped to work on the upcoming Disney Plus show. Writers Dara Resnick and Ken Christensen are set to bring their experience writing street-level superheroes to the scripts of Echo, according to the Illuminati. Resnick wrote two episodes for season three of Daredevil, and Christensen wrote three episodes of The Punisher. And they'll be joining the writing staff that includes Shoshana Stern, uh, Bobby Wilson, and lead writer Marion Dairy. So it's a pretty uh, diverse group with different shows, with a, a history of working on different shows. And as Eagley would say, squaw! Oh my god. <laughs> uh, that was Roddy Cat making a Peacemaker reference. Yes, yes it is. Um... Uh, X-Men animated series is Wolverine celebrates returning to the Disney Plus revival. So uh, Cal Dodd is officially back in the booth for the, the for Disney Plus's upcoming revival of X-Men 97. Snicked bub. Uh, on Twitter, Dodd, who, who, as I said, voice Wolverine, uh, shares a photo of himself in a recording booth. Dodd is seen sporting uh, a black and yellow varsity style jacket, which has the name Logan embroidered on the torso. Um, and uh, puts up three fingers to, to represent Wolvie's claws and uh, with the caption guess what I'm doing in the studio today so great to be back hashtag Wolverine hashtag Disney Plus hashtag X-Men etc 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 and you can see the, uh, the, uh, the Twitter post right there if you're watching the video version watch the video version sometimes next up Next up, so Marvel's Halloween special adds the Nevers star in a possible major vampire role. So, according to Deadline, the Nevers star Laura Donnelly has joined the uh, uh, the upcoming Halloween special and uh, has joined the show alongside Gail Garcia Bernal, who is potentially playing a version of Werewolf by Night. So the so Deadline speculates that if Garcia Bernal's role holds true, Donnelly may be playing Nina Price, aka Vampire by Night. In the comics, Price is a vampire slash werewolf hybrid and the niece of Jack Russell, not the terrier, werewolf by night. Yes, yes, that is the second bad boo. pun of tonight. Ice Bear says boo. Um <laughs> Spider-Man 8 film bundle collects every Maguire, Garfield, and Holland field, uh, film together, thanks to Voodoo. So, yeah, uh, Voodoo, uh, which is, uh, um, well, you can rent, you can buy uh, digital copies, but you can also, um, if you buy, if you're still one of those few people that buys physical versions, you can use the code inside the box and, and redeem the digital co uh, code for a movie on this site, as well as a couple others. Uh, but yeah, they have a bundle coming, or like it might be out right now. Um, 
which collects all of the uh, Spider-Man movies, including the one that hasn't been laid to uh, video yet, which it would be No Way Home. Um, so yeah, so you know, the, all three Tobey Maguire's, all two um, uh, Andrew Garfield and the aforementioned Tom Holland ones. Uh, looks like the retail the collection retails for sixty bucks, which actually is not bad. Actually, doesn't sound uh, for all of those. Because like I said, when when No Way Home comes out on video, you'll get that when it when it happens. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much that. There's nothing else to say about that. Next up. Next up, Agbo, the artist-led independent banner led by Avengers Endgame directors Anthony and Joe Russo has received a $400 million minority investment from Nexon Company, the Japanese video game maker. The deal which values Agbo at $1.1 billion has Nexon taking a 38% stake in the company, which will accelerate the global expansion of Nexon's existing and new franchise intellectual property into film and TV and fuel Agbo as it develops, produces, and owns tentpole-led entertainment universes, reaching global audiences via games and virtual world experiences. Look at what the Russos have made as the result of jumping on to direct Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I know, right? Um, I would also take this point to to point out that um, their Agbo produced a series, Slugfest, which I believe we have talked about in the past, is on the Roku channel uh, that you can watch on the Roku channel and probably other places. I'm sure you're resourceful enough you can find. Um, you can find it. It's pretty good. You should check it out. Um, but I guess good for them. I was like, Nexon's also in that lineup for pretty much, uh, be one of the ones, uh, to, 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 to take over the world and, and buy out everything. So up there with Tencent and, uh, uh whatever those other couple of places are right now. Anyway, good for the Russos though. Uh, Scott Pilgrim anime adaptation is reportedly in development for Netflix. Uh, so according to the uh, report from the Hollywood Reporter, uh, the adaptation doesn't have a series order yet, uh, and there aren't any details about when it could hit the streaming service. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, who created Scott Pilgrim, uh, and, uh, one of the writers and executives on the adaptation, um, I guess was talking to, to Hollywood Reporter, um, it says here that Edgar Wright, who directed the, uh, the, the film Scott program versus the world will also reportedly be serving as an executive producer. So if the series gets a green light, uh, animation will be done by the, uh, animation studio science Saru, uh, which produced two shorts for star Wars visions, uh, anime anthology released in September. So, uh, yeah. Sky Program versus the, the world's a good movie, despite you know the <laughs> kind of what the, despite the main character. Um, but yeah, if that happens, I'll, I'll check it out. Next up, next up, one of the animes that Roddy Cat abandoned way too early. Uh, Attack on Titan: The Final Season Part Two Premiere crashed Crunchyroll. 
So this is this happened this past Sunday when the new episode premiered stateside, and uh, it promptly crashed Crunchyroll, the streaming service, due to an overwhelming amount of traffic. Briefly, when users tried to access Attack on Titan on Crunchyroll, they were met with an error page and the message. Quote, we are sorry, a team of Shinobi is working to bring your anime back. Thank you for your patience. This error caused many fans of the anime to share their frustrations on Twitter, posting memes, GIFs, and images from the anime. So, I subscribe to Funimation. And I can say that Funimation was also dealing with uh, a slowdown. I actually was not um, online when the show first became available, despite the fact that some of my anime uh, fan friends jumped on uh, our group chat and and started um, a watch party, right? I was like, "Hey, I'm 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 in the city. I, I you know I'm, I'm uh, in transit, so I can't uh, um, you know I can't jump on and watch." So I didn't watch until a few hours later when I got home, and Funimation was still laggy. Because people, I guess, were ju- were still trying to catch up on um, the uh, the part two of the final season of Attack on Titan. So, I want a, a group chat where I could talk anime with people. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> yeah, no, it's like a group video call through like Instagram, right? Wait, y'all don't use a uh, Discord? Uh, uh, this is what I was. This is what I was given. Okay, I'm surprised. You most know, people, yeah, most people. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, insta, it's a DM. You know, it's a, it's a, oh, yeah. it's a DM. Uh, uh, what call it? Chat thread. Yeah, I know, but yeah, I'm just like, you know, most, most, there are people doing that through, through Discord at this point. But then again, I guess that's probably a little bit more heavy-handed than probably all we use. This is not. Uh, we're not sponsored by Discord. Just, just putting that. I'm just saying. That, that, right, nor Instagram. Nor Instagram, exactly. So, um, I guess just out of curiosity, how was the episode? It was, uh, there are definitely some, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, follow ups on some of the cliffhangers from the previous, uh, you know, where the last episode, um, uh, left us. So, nothing final yet because it is just the first episode. There's still no word as to how many, um, episodes are going to be in this part two. Right. So, you know, it's it's tough to kind of gauge how how the story's going at this point until we have an idea of how many episodes are going to be. I thought I heard twelve, but I don't know. I have no 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 basis for that. So yeah, who who even knows at this point? Um, so I guess we'll see, or you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still I, I would still ask Roddy Cat to um to give it a shot i know that there are current animes that are it's funny just uh, uh, and 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 i won't linger on this topic too long but just before we started the show i had just started watching uh like an episode or two of um haiku the volleyball anime which i'm a gigantic fan of it is you know it has earned that uh that 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 title of being the best sports anime out there in my eyes because it's Granted, it's the only sports anime I've watched, but I think it's going to set a very high bar for any sports anime I try to watch after. Um, You know, I know that Demon Slayer is also back with new episodes. And I didn't get to watch the last episode. um, So I might might end up waiting until this Sunday and watching watching both of them. Or I might pop it off. Who knows? 
Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, I know that there are new things to, to keep up with. So, um, you know, I don't blame Roddy Cat for maybe not wanting to dive into something else that's new, but at the same, you know, something something new uh, that, that has like a decent history to it. But at the same time, it'll go pretty quick. You yeah. know, it's only four seasons worth, so... <laughs> I don't binge like no like 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 some of you you, you folks. So it's gonna it would take me just a slight longer. That 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 last scent with um Demon Slayer aside, that's that's not usually how it goes for me. Right, so. right, 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 right. So anyway, moving on, moving on. Uh, let's see. Boop. The Boys season three will premiere in June, uh, according to some video, I guess. Uh, let's see. Boy Season 3 will premiere its first three episodes worldwide on Prime Video on June 3rd, 2022, with the remaining five episodes airing every Friday through July 8th. Uh, the release date for the Season 3 was announced during the final installment of the Fort News Network's digital video miniseries 7 on 7 with Cameron Coleman, which I assume that's an in-universe in thing, um, which was designed to help bridge the gap between Season 2 and upcoming Season 3. Uh, following on then the explosive action of the last season finale back in October 2020. Wow, it's been that long? Huh, weird. I've never watched that show, so... Uh, it goes into... This article kind of goes into what happened at the end of season, season two. We're not even going to bother. Next up. Next up. So, this is kind of a disappointing uh story to hear you know when i when i first read about it and heard about it so comic book artist william crabtree accuses an invincible creator robert kirkman of fraud breach of contract and more over the adaptation of invincible into a prime amazon prime video animated series so Basically, the claim is that Kirkman convinced William Crabtree to forego his copyright. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Crabtree's lawsuit blames his surrendered invincible ownership stake on Kirkman's misleading persuasion. Crabtree further affirms that he co-created the Invincible comic book series due to his role as a colorist for the first 50 issues, meaning he should see profits from Prime Video's popular Invincible television adaptation. Quote, fraud and deceit has become a standard business practice for Kirkman and is apparently where his true creative aptitude lies, unquote, attorney Devin McRae said. So apparently this ownership stems from a purported oral agreement between Crabtree and Kirkman. It's kind of weird that we're just that now. Well, that and also what right does a colorist have? You know, therein lies the question, right? Because, because this is, I'm looking at this from the comic book fan's perspective. Forget right. the lawyer perspective. I'm oh, like, man. what interest does he have as the colorist? I mean, some would argue that the whole creative team that, that started it off can't lay that, can't lay that claim down to lettering. But, you know, that would be subject to whoever you talk to on that one. You know, like, obviously there are people who think, it's just as you already know, you know, it's the the the, the artist and the you know the artist and the the writer, and right? Now, depending on where you fall and where the colors lies in that, as being the artist, part of the artist, or whatnot, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it's, it's very weird. 
Like I right, because there I was press. Oh, go ahead. Finish. No, no, I was I was gonna agree with you and say it's like yeah, like what does the colorist you know out, outside of that like what does the colorist have to, to do? Not, not what it has to do with that, but what right do they have to totally claim to that? But at the same time, like it depends on where you think about it, them as being part of the artist, part of the the creative team. Right, and I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely a fair a fair assessment, especially given how. Uh, colorists and, 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 and the roles that they're playing in being color artists now, mm-hmm. I think, uh, is, is subtly changing in the comic book business and the com- comic book industry. There's obviously a little bit of precedent where artist Tony Moore sued, uh, Kirkman over allegedly tricking him out of, uh, Tony Moore's Walking Dead ownership interest. That lawsuit was settled out of court on undisclosed terms. So, you know, there is some precedent for this, but again, I guess it's just, you know, I have not yet evolved to see where the colorist would have some level of ownership over this creation. Right. And as much as I hate to say it, as long as comic books have been around and comic book movies at this point, like, we're still kind of in early days of that kind of stuff. Because let's face it, you know, sometimes the artists and the writer don't always get full credit for stuff that gets on the live action. So obviously, it's not one of those cases. Um, right. This is one of those, like, real creator-owned. So, you know, it's all very much laid out as to who is responsible for what. And it's in, like, this new... You know, in the in the current times of of who owns what, you know, so it's just a little, you know, because a lot of this stuff is about whether or not there should have been something on paper, and it's very much fact based, and you know, I, I guess that's just a comic book fan in me trying to come up with where, you know, the nexus of this ownership interest, uh, you know, is created. Like, where where does that come in? I'm sure as the lawyer part of you, you would agree in the statement and that it should always be on paper. Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. But at the end of the day, you know, if they have enough evidence of, you know, of something, you know, then, you know, they, they could they could come up with, uh, you know, so, something um, legally recognizable, you know. So, I don't know. You know, it's you know, it's it's going to be a very fact specific case, but ultimately, uh, you know, you know, we're all evolving. Our understanding of the creative process is evolving. Like you know, just like our 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 concepts, our you know, co- legal concepts of many things are evolving, right? Yep. So you know, maybe the colorist, maybe their argument is that the colorist had uh, you know. Enough of a in, uh, enough of an input creatively, especially in the color scheme of the hero and of the character and of the characters, the multiple characters. You know, we don't. You know, that's also very fact based. Right. You know, we don't know if it's just, uh, you know, someone literally coloring within the lines, or if the colorist had like an actual creative hand in the creation of the color palette and the color schemes of some of these characters. Right. Is it like, did either Kirkman or, um, who was the original uh, artist? Was it, um, I can't remember who the original artist was, but regardless of whether one of them said, hey, color it this way with this colors and this is how we want it, type situation. Right. Or whether the colors came in and said, well, how about let's do this 
And then, right, and kind of created like a colored guide for like the right. entire book. Right. So we don't know, and I'm, I'm actually kind of curious because we talked about last week. Uh, so we move on past this. Um, we talked about the, the fact that season two has not been started on yet. I'm wondering if this is uh, part of the reason why. Mm. Like coincidence. I mean, it may or may not have been a coincidence that this happened now. Right. Although some would argue, like we're just hearing about this for one reason or another for whatever odd reason we don't know. So, regardless, uh, I mean, you know, we're probably just hearing about it now is because they were probably trying to come to an agreement and they couldn't do it. You know, they just couldn't yeah. come to one. Right. Exactly. So whatever reason it might be, here, here we are now. But whether that has anything to do with why season two, you know, hasn't happened yet, we don't know yet. Right. Or may or may not ever know. Anywho. Um, last but not least, um, this is me. Bob's Burgers movie drops a flame broiled first trailer. Uh, I've never watched the show, but for some strange reason, I end up watching this trailer. Uh, okay. so, yeah. So apparently, it premiered during college football playoff national championships on ESPN. Uh, it's a one and a half minute long clip. Um, which I'm not gonna lie, I thought it was actually a burger commercial, or like a, a Burger King commercial or something when I first saw it, because it kind of. Oh on. no! Because that's kind of how it started. Um, actually made me hungry for a burger, so you did one thing right, uh, commercial. <laughs> so, uh, but then it goes into Bob's Burger stuff, and yeah. So it's, Wait, is it live action or is it animated? And animated. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure there was there was probably gonna be an animated. I mean, a live action one at some point. That's funny, um, but yeah, it's out there, folks. If you're if you're uh, interested, so and that's it for the cinematic news. We're gonna push over into the comic book news. Uh, first up, Bat Batwoman Beyond debuts at uh, McFarlane Toys with unmasked figure. Um, so yeah, there's a unmasked Batwoman uh, figure which is going to retail for twenty bucks. It is designed with quote unquote ultra articulation with up to 22 moving parts for full range and posing play, posing and play, excuse me, and includes alternate hand, two blasters, a batarang, a uh, base, and a collectible art card that features uh, Elena's uh, biography on the back. I did not know there was a Batwoman Beyond, so this is news to me for in a couple of different ways. So, and then this article kind of goes into that, I guess. Um. But yeah, there you go. It'll be out there at some point. Next up. Sorry, I was just looking something up because I wanted to make sure. Oh yeah, I am right. This is so silly. All right. So next up, a a Black Adam toy listing confirms a major DCEU villain's debut. Now major, I think, is a little bit of hyperbole. A toy listing from McFarlane Toys seemingly confirms the DCEU debut. Um of a new super villain in Black Adam, judging from what McFarlane Toys appears to have in store. Um, I don't know if you have this in the news. I didn't scan down, but Toy Fair has uh, been canceled again this year. No, I did not. So we'll probably talk about it. I mean, we're talking about it now because we're probably going to start seeing toy uh, uh, stories start to... Uh, kind of hit the newswire 
over the next several months as opposed to, you know, them coming out all at once the way they would for Toy Fair. So, you know, this is obviously because of the Omicron variant raging through um, the Northeast right now. But ultimately, um, this toy listing from McFarlane Toys uh, that was recently circulated seemingly confirms the appearance of the DC Comics supervillain known as Sabak, not the Star Wars card game, in the upcoming Black Adam film. They're just spelled differently, folks. That's what I was Googling just before. That was that that slight delay right before I started talking about this story. <laughs> I wanted to confirm that Sabak was actually both this yes. DC comic supervillain and the Star Wars card game. Very good. Very good. Nice. Did we do our so, review sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just because, you know, well, because at the end of the day, sometimes we don't know which new stories we're going to be reading, even though we kind of have a set order of who leads off. Right. Sometimes that changes because, you know, we'll, we'll ask another host to read it because it's their, you know, kind of, it's in their uh, wheelhouse, right? Mm-hmm. In this case, I'm like, wait, I, I know this name. I know this word, <laughs> but in a different context. But at the end of the day, this is a DC Comics supervillain that's going to be given a mega fig action figure. So it's going to be larger than the rest of the characters in the Black Adam figure collection. It's not a builder figure. It's just going to be a larger figure. And uh, these figures that are tentatively due in June 2022 uh, include a Black Adam ancient costume, a Black Adam hero costume, an Adam Smasher figure, an Adam Smasher mega fig, a Dr. Fate, a Cyclone, a Hawkman, and a Sabacc mega fig that's not going to be a stack of cards. Yes. Um, indeed. And Adam Smasher is not that uh, Captain America villain. By the way. Oh, not Flag Smasher. Right, right. Adam Smasher is someone totally different. Oh, right. You know, Adam Smasher is like the, the DC's uh, giant man, I guess. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm not that familiar. You know, you got me on that one. I don't know. I might be wrong also. So who cares? Regardless, it's there. Oh, speaking of uh, two things, there's a Thanagarian that does show up uh, in uh, the first episode of uh, Naomi. Spoiler. Sorry. Um, but also, uh, uh, I've recently just watched the, the Shazam movie, the first Shazam movie. It was fun. Oh, what do you think? I it was fun. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Still seeing Chuck as, as, as a, as a Captain Marvel, aka Shazam, still, that was still kind of weird, but yeah, the, the movie was fun. Um, I'm actually kind of curious to see the next one when it, when it, uh, pops off. Also, they could have probably done a little bit more to um, to to um, to, to um, mention Black Adam for some third reason. I feel like there was like a throwaway line and that was it. Not that it had to, but I'm just saying, especially since Dwayne apparently the, the Rocket was the part of was producing behind that one. I'm saying like you would think there would have been a little bit more to it, but it doesn't matter. Right? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know what I would say is. You know, I think that Black Adam movie was still in such a a, a, a nebulous place that they, you know, they they're just not as coordinated as Marvel. Yeah, you're right. They just don't. So, you know, and I think the the best thing about um the uh, uh about the Shazam movie was the uh, the uh, the actress that played um uh uh 
Mary Marvel. Mary Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, that was the best part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, she goes. She's going to be playing uh, both Mary and Mary Marvel in the next one. I guess so. They don't have to right. change them. Well, yeah, right, I would say right, seeing right. seeing making good as as as, uh, as one of the Marvel family was also pretty good, also personally. But yeah. right. I'm friend. actually just looking up uh, Adam Smasher now to double check uh, what this dude's powers are. Mm-hmm. Already super strong at his normal size. Blah blah blah. Adam Smasher's strength and density increase proportionally to whatever size he chooses. Yeah, so he just gets up to um yeah, so he's kinda like Giant Man, yeah. Yeah. Alright. Cool. Um and I will put the Toy Fail being cancelled. We we kind of talked about it. I will put that in the show notes, uh as a and it, and if you were watching the video version you have seen Oh you found a you found a story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to the post. Or yeah, at least that was the first one I came up anyway. Wait, which post? New York Post. No, don't post from the New York Post. Okay. Well, I'm in LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I will. I will. And that's a little bit of politics entering. Yeah, into I know, the, and I know there's you know there there reasons people don't like the post, and I get that. But it was the first one that came up. So yeah, yeah. yeah While yeah, you're doing yeah. that, I will go into the next story. Um, Boba Fett blaster rifle gets limited edition nerf treatment. So, uh, following the, big de- the debut on the Book of Boba Fett, Nerf LMTD announces their latest limited edition blaster rifle from the Star Wars franchise. Um, the iconic uh, EE3 blaster is being brought to Nerf life and is available for pre-order on Hasbro Pulse and Amazon, scheduled to be released in, thank you, uh, spring of 2023. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see uh, said blaster, a uh, picture of said blaster right there. Uh, here's another version in packaging. There you go. And the back of the packages. Get all the goodness. All you. Anyway, next up. All right, next up. Marvel's Midnight Suns. Michael Jai White is set to voice Blade. So news out of 2K and Firaxis games about Marvel's Midnight Suns has been relatively quiet since it lost its March 2022 release window late last year. But a new interview would appear to have revealed the very first voice actor for one of the game's important characters. It is known that the video game will feature playable Marvel characters like Wolverine, Magic, Ghost Rider, and more. And if the voice actor for Blade is any indication, none other than Michael Jai White, the voice cast should likely be just as impressive. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I got Black Dynamite to play Blade. It makes makes total sense to me. <laughs> uh, next up, though, um, Marvel mutants uh, explore their very own planet in X Men Red. Um, as, as folks may know, the the um, uh, Marvel's mutants has a home on Arako, aka Mars. Uh, there has been some encroachment as of recent comic books, thanks to um, a human, uh, but things still stand. But this says here that uh, X-Men Red will see a new war waged between mutants as the divided inhabitants of the Red Planet battle for the world's uncertain future. This is kind of, I feel like this has kind of been teasing in also issues of um, probably Soar and other things, um, if I remember correctly. But it's going to be written by Immortal Hulk writer... Um, 
Well, guy can still be called a motor hulk rider, but um, Al Ewing, <laughs> um, with uh, artwork by Stefano uh, Conselli, and uh, each issue will explore a different question concerning the fate of Rocco's residence. Um, and it kind of goes into what the first couple of issues are going to be dealing with. Um, and I guess we can see. I don't know if I want to call this a team, but we can see, definitely see the major players on the cover here, it looks like. Uh, if you're watching the video, or if you're not watching the video, you can see, uh, uh, well, you can't see, but Magneto, Storm, Sunspot, and Abigail Brand is up in the, uh, up in the silhouette form. Or not silhouette form, up in, um, uh, the background. So, and I guess this is, um, issue two for this other character. Is that Inferno? I don't know who this other character is. No, it doesn't matter. Regardless, that's that. Next up. I was about to say, you need me to look at it? Let me see. Well, while I read the next one. So, um, Marvel Comics has launched the second X-Men election, allowing fans to choose the team's newest member from a roster of heroic candidates. So, the X-Men election that happened in uh, 2021... Was give was Marvel giving a choice of essentially C and D list mutants who'd get their moment in the spotlight? And Polaris won the first X Men election. I don't know if you'd call her a C or D list mutant. You know, maybe a B list mutant. But um, but now we have the second X Men election, and among the candidates are Armor, Avalanche, Bling, Firestar, who I voted for. I would vote Gentle. For that. What's that? I would definitely vote for her. Right, Gentle, Gorgon, Micromax, Micromax, Penance, si- uh, and Siren, uh, Siren and Surge. So, um, I voted for Firestar. The voting uh, is actually now closed. All right, so it was open oh, for, on Marvel.com from January 10th to 13th. So. Um, we just fit, we just closed off January 13th, so we're a little late announcing this, but hopefully you folks out there in the podcast and YouTube stream and the, in the streaming world, the video streaming world, um, on, on, on Twitch as well, voted for Firestar or at least your favorite candidate to fill the next X-Men roster. Um, some comic creator, I can't remember who it was, I can't really attribute, made a compelling reason, uh, to, to pick Firestar, but those of us of a certain vintage know the Firestar for, for being an amazing friend, and was probably going to vote for her anyway. (laughs) Right. Right. So. I mean, she has been an Avenger, right? She has. So, but I don't think she's ever actually been an official X-Man. I feel like she she definitely has been in an X book and on working with a team, but you're probably right. Not officially as a as a team member. I, I, we both might be wrong about that. I feel like, but um, but yeah, as far as X Men proper team, like it might have been a, a, an offshoot team or something, like or gold or something. Right. I don't know, but yeah, I don't recall that being the case either. So. Oh. I'm looking at that cover for X Men Red that you were that you were talking about right. with Storm with her new getup, right? And the character who's on kind of on fire mm-hmm. that looks like Vulcan, the third Summer's brother. Oh, okay. So I guess they they put him in a new costume because yeah, because the one he's got on in the Quiet Council is different. 
from that. No, that's that's. I think that's his regular costume because they just released a Marvel Legends of him, or they're about to release one, and he's wearing that costume. But yeah, but I'm th- but I'm thinking about where he, when he's on the Quiet Council. Vulcan, I think. Am I tripping on that too? Or I don't. Think, I don't think he is on the Quiet Council. To the Google. Exactly. All right. I was about to say, let me cover for this and give you some time to look, and I will take the next uh, story. So, um, Scarlet Witch, Spider-Gwen, Silver Surfer, Brute Force highlight the Marvel 2022 Infinity Comics preview. On December 29th, Marvel Comics released Timeless Number 1, its latest one-shot special that serves as something of a narrative introduction slash teaser to many of its big 2022 storylines and events, including the major summer Avengers X-Men Eternals showdown called Judgment Day. One week later, on January 5th, the publisher released a somewhat similar concept, in this case for its vertical format digital Infinity Comics imprint on its Marvel Unlimited digital platform. I admit I am not keeping up with these Infinity Comics. How about you? I've actually read a couple uh, recently, but um, I think I finished that X-Men one, then the Shang-Chi one. I was trying to find that Fantastic Four one that they do. So I have read a couple recently, but only when I was like, oh, I got some time to go. Yeah, I was about to say, I maybe need to sit down with some of these. So, called Infinite Possibilities Number 1, it's a, quote, sneak peek at the future of Marvel Unlimited, unquote, by artist and former guest of the pod, Giaffo and colorist D. Cunef. So, shout out to Giaffo for uh, uh, working on some more cool things. I believe we've um, been on the show. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. That's why I said former guest of the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot tell whether, um, and I'm not going to go following through the book, but I so I don't know if Vulcan is on the podcast. I might be tripping. Uh, actually, hold on. My Google Fool is um is failing me. All right. Well, be, Roddy Cat- you know what? You, you, I think you might be. I might be wrong. We'll find out some other time. Uh, right now, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah. all right. So we're up to the new Spidey team. Yep. Uh, Marvel announces new Spider-Man creative team. Uh, currently, Zip Wells and artist uh, John Romita Jr. are launching a new volume of uh, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. And thanks to uh, Agent Seventy for, um, for reminding me about this, or for. for uh, let me know about this to put it in the lineup. Uh, it's going to start in April, making marking this character's 60th anniversary with a new number one issue, as they tend to want to do way too much. Um, as with the movie series, the comic book, the Spider-Man's new start comes as he finds himself isolated from friends, there's a typo, family, and allies. Although, in this case, he does have uh, Doc Ock on his tail and tombstones making some new moves that Marvel says will Reestablish him as one of Spidey's most dangerous foes. Uh, both Wells and Ramita have a long history with the character. I believe I have recently seen somebody say, like, yeah, um, there needs to be a Ramita uh, drawing Spider-Man. It, it, it should be a given. Um, and that's probably in relation to this. Uh, so, 
giving this run a kind of a greatest hits feel of worthy of an anniversary run. Uh, then it just kind of goes into um, some other stuff about it. So, cool. Uh, next up. Alrighty. Next up, Marvel Comics and Webtoon have officially announced Eternals, the 500-year war, the latest addition to Marvel's Infinity Comics lineup of digital comic series. While Marvel's existing Infinity Comics titles like Hulkling and Wiccan have allowed the House of Ideas to dabble in Webtoon-style storytelling, the 500-year war marks the first official collaboration between the two publishers. So it's a seven-part series launching on January that launched on January 12th on Marvel Unlimited. The title will mark will make its way to Webtoon starting Thursday, January 20th. So in another week, and um, the 500-year war stars the titular race of living gods who recently made their screen debut um, in Chloe Zhao's Marvel Studios film Eternals, which is also now on Disney Plus. All right, yeah, we did very good to mention that, and thanks for doing that. So, yeah, Eternals is out there, folks. Have at it. Um, I watched most of it. I rewatched most of it. It's still just as good. I really don't Mm. see why so many people weren't fans of it, but it's a different pace. Yeah, and that might be, you know, people's, um, you know... Expectations. Well, that too, and uh, attention spans are different. Yeah. than, Than what they used to be. Um, damn whippersnappers. Anyway. No, uh, no. <laughs> Storm and Luke Cage are iconic in Black History Month cover art. Um, so this February, Marvel will be releasing six variant covers to celebrate Black History Month. All six covers are being illustrated by Joshua Sway Swaby, a comic artist who's provided number, numerous covers for Marvel, DC, Image, and Dynamite. Luke Cage and Storm are the next gorgeous additions to his uh, growing portfolio. Apparently, on Twitter, Swaby shared the covers uh, for both X Men number eight and Devil's Reign number four. Fittingly, Storm is featured on X Men. Uh, While well, it looks pages on Devil's Reign, also duh. Um, and uh, if you are watching the video version, you can see at least one of them, uh, or at least you can see the tweet to at least one of them right there. Next. Alrighty, and some actually, I think, good news. Mm-hmm. Um, Image Comics employees have officially voted to unionize. So Image Comics has officially become the first unionized comic book company with nine Image employees voting seven to two in favor of unionization. So as reported by both Vice and the Twitter account Daily Union Elections, nine Image Comics employees voted 7-2 to two in favor of unionizing with comic book writers, uni- comic book workers, United, and the Communications Workers of America, CWA, on January 6th. Comic Book Workers United, the union formed by Image employees, previously told Vice that it had a supermajority of workers who were eligible to vote on the matter. So... Uh, they had first announced plans, these workers, these employees, had first announced plans to unionize back in November. And uh, it was a letter signed by Ryan Brewer, Leanna Counter, Quanter, actually Marla Isaac, Drew Fitzgerald, Melissa Gifford, Chloe Ramos, Trisha Ramos, John Schlafman, and Erica Schnatz. So I'm not familiar with these, um, with these uh, persons. Um, they are, you know, I guess they were the, the workers in publishing. 
you know, behind the publishing. So they're not necessarily the, the uh, members of the creative teams or even the editorial teams, but they're part of the publishing staff. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I guess that is, um, you know, th- that is the crux of this union uh, effort. That hopefully will filter upwards uh, and around, you know, to upwards to the big two yeah. and, and around to the other uh, other companies. Because, uh, like I said, this is definitely a great thing. Um, we'll see if that if that ends up being the case. Uh, Fire Force manga ends in quote unquote a few chapters, about two volumes. Uh, manga creator um, Atushi Okuba revealed on his Dark Souls live stream uh, uh, December 31st that his Fire Force manga will end in a few chapters and that he has two chapters left to draw. He's also confirmed that the manga will, will end in about two volumes, which would be the 34th volume. Uh, the manga entered its final arc in uh, October 2021. Uh, Okubo previously hinted in the author's commentary that the manga's 23rd uh, compiled folk volume in 2020 that the manga was in its final stage and that it was final, uh, planning for Final First to be its final manga. I'm still waiting for uh, Fire Force Season 3. Make it happen. Thank you very much. That's funny. I actually, ju- we were just talking about mm-hmm. this. I, I just know. started Fire Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, on Funimation, they only have it in dub. Interesting. Right. So, if, I you, ju- say... if you jump over to, if you jump over to Crunchyroll, I think it they have sub. it in sub. Yes, they do, because that's, that's how I watched it. So. I'm just confirming this now. I'm just I'm, I'm popping onto the website just to double check because I don't want to uh, speak out of turn. I just felt like I was I was kind of surprised. I'm like, wait, why is this only in dub? I don't think I've even heard the dub, or maybe I did for the first episode and and just and kept it sub. You know, nose up. Um. <laughs> oh no! Wait a second. Hold on. Now it says English and Japanese, so okay. it might have been it might have been because of the Attack on Titan business. Because I think I started watch, I think I tried to start watching it on Sunday when everything was a little wonky because everyone was crashing all of the anime, um, which call it all of the anime uh, streamers. Yeah, and 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 Funimation kind of handles their their whether you can see dub or sub differently than Crunchyroll does anyway, so that could. Because I remember watching it in dub, I was like, wait, why don't I have a choice? So I jumped over to Crunchyroll, and I saw that they had it in sub, so I, I kind of rewatched part of it, just to get a, get a feel of what the voice acting was in Japanese. But now I see uh, that uh, it is available in English and Japanese on Funimation, so I definitely suspect that Attack on Titan, the uh, the aftermath of the Attack on Titan... Uh, crashing of all the servers had an effect on my experience watching Fire Force. So I'm going to try to, you know, give this another shot. So there are two seasons of Fire Force uh, anime out there. So uh, I think this is going to be my next watch, and we'll see how well it goes. Are you, you going? You're going to stick with dub, or no? I'm going to go back to sub, sub but. Okay. 
uh, you know, but my point is, I just thought it was weird that I only had access to dub, but it makes all the sense in the world that it was just a glitch because of that particular Sunday. Hmm. I'm going to avoid watching anything else other than <laughs> Attack on Titan on Sundays now and Demon Slayer because, you know, all that, uh, you know, the, 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 the servers just can't handle it. Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently. Um... Yeah, which is, which is why I'm glad, kind of glad I didn't watch uh, Demon Slayer Sunday, but, you know, probably should at some point soon. Um, I look forward to seeing what you think about Fire Force, if you make it through it. I probably will. I probably will. You know, it's... I enjoy uh, th- There's only a couple of animes that I've kind of stopped and haven't yet gone back to, like Naruto. Mm-hmm. You know? But I got through like 20-something episodes of Naruto, so it'll take me a little while to really kind of get, not fed up, but just kind of like, you know, annoyed to the point where I want to stop mm-hmm. and, and, and re-watch something I really like, like Haikyuu or, <laughs> or, or, uh, or My Hero, you know? Right. Like, I've rewatched My Hero Academia a couple times. Like, you know, like here and there, not all the way through, right. but just like, oh, you know what, I want to watch this arc. I suspect after I finished, uh, we were talking before the show, and I was telling Agent Seven that I was um, that I was watching uh, One Punch Man, or I guess kind of rewatching right. One Punch Man at this point. So, and I'm debating on hitting uh, my hero after that, but also had put uh, a rewatch of Samurai Champloo on on deck. So we'll right. see which one of those two ends up ends up happening. <laughs> right. I, de- I definitely recommend jumping into My Hero because it watches very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously I'm a binger. I'm a binge watcher. So if I see something that catches my imagine that 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 that, that piques my interest and catches my imagination, where I'll, you know, I'll I'll run through, especially if there's no commercial breaks. You know, I'll run through like five to ten episodes and be like, all right, now I need to take a break or go to bed. Yeah, that would be me about four normally. So, but uh, in any event, that is Anime Corner, <laughs> and yeah, that is much. end of our news. That is it. Um, yeah, like I said, stay tuned for more of that. Oh, yeah, I did uh, start back on Dragon uh, Ball Super. Like that, but yeah. So that, folks, is the end of the news, and we are at the end of this year's show. Let's get one more ad read out of us, shall we? Our last ad read of the night, you know what we read when it's late and we're tired. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. That's right. Visit CSPN.us and click on that Keep Our Podcast Free link. And from there, you scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. folks um as we come to the end of another uh episode of this here comic book chronicles not just any old episode but the 450th episode of the comic book chronicles i'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming out um i'm going to sit here and say in passing that i never thought i would be in the hosting chair (laughs) even after all this time like well, these... at the end of the day, it's a co-hosting gig, but I mean, Body Cat takes on the bulk of the uh, manual 
electric electronic labor. Well, yes, there, there is there is that also, but no, I'm just saying, just just, just even starting the show or even being you know having some sort of co-hosting is like when I came in, I kind of came in off the rafters and just as a as a panelist. Um, as well, I guess as we all. Well, as it got, what I was going to say though is, as it got a little bit more, as as Tim Dog ninety eight uh, jokingly put it, a little bit more overproduced, yes. and as our and as our as our technology as as technology grew, advanced, and became uh, as our options became wider, but also more limited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had to endure lots of hiccups and changes and adjustments along the way. Uh, at the beginning of this show, if I knew I was going to have a soundboard with all these different sounds on it, as opposed to what we used to use in Google Hangouts, yes. I don't think I would have believed it. Indeed, we wouldn't be. I don't buying think so. mics and mixers and, and shit like this. Although I was, to be fair, I was buy, I bought my stuff for other other stuff that I was doing, but, you know. Of course. I mean, I upgraded my mic setup. I upgraded my sound setup, especially to, to, to play well with the sound effects. So, you know, it's just, it, it's been a long, we've come a long way, folks. So thank you for your support again. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for interacting with us on social media. We'll try to be more active it's just been such a weird time, you know, we're in this weird stage of the pandemic where we're not locked down, but it's still difficult to do things sometimes. So, um, you know, just, uh, you know, we're here for you and I know you're there for us. So, uh, you know, let's just hang in there and, 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 and work our way through. Indeed, indeed. And it has been a long road, like the uh, beginning of Star Trek Discover, uh, to Star Trek um, Enterprise. <laughs> it's our continuing mission. Yes, indeed, indeed. Wow, that, that wasn't even planned, folks. Um, <laughs> and on that, folks, before we get Missy out here, this has been uh, the Combo Chronicle. Wait, wait, hold on, back up. Sorry, 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 sorry. Let me, let me, let me not rush this off real quick before I say, I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at NewsNerdsNeed on Twitter. You can find me at CPCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore seven. You can find on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt. You can find on Twitter. You can find them also on, uh, at, um, um, wow. Why did I blank that quick, quick, that quick? Um, pop culture net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com. Those are the umbrella sites they're in. And of course, the Osiris that is uh, Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account, which we should probably see. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, nicely, like, we, we do yes, it nicely. nicely. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll ask him for. It. We won't, it won't be a hostile over or anything like that. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, also, the Click Nation on Twitter, that's Z-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N and theclicknation.com. Um, and also, you can find Tim writing his face off over at comicbook.com. You can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. Shout out to the, to the Colts with the crew of old, including our own Tim and uh, the aforementioned uh, classic and, and um, uh, uh, eclectic 
<laughs> the artist formerly known as Kazakh on the collective. But um Right, OJ Purple Stuff. Exactly. Uh doing big things wrestling promote uh wrestling uh, announcing and stuff like that. See we see over here we see you over there, big dog. We see you. Um uh also uh the, the word is oh yeah, you can find us uh this podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice. Whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Actually, we could give a shout out to Eclectic. Go go check out that man's um, podcast also, uh, the Eclectic Discussion Podcast. Um, uh, I can't remember what's the one with uh, him and Joel Kyle. Um, but yeah, go check out uh, uh, Eclectic on Twitter. That's Eclectic with a K at the end. Go check him out. Go check out OJ Purple stuff. Go check out Tim D.O.D., all of them, folks. Um, you can find us here every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m., uh, recording live on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Smash that like button. Give us some views. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hit like and subscribe, folks. Yeah, all that. All that. Uh, and with that, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. 450 in the books. Don't my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.